Welcome back to another week of the Break the Bell podcast. Hello, beautiful bell breakers. One of these days, uh, we're going to get back to, or get to the point where we're doing this live so we can be like, and we're live. That would be sweet. I like that. I think we're getting to the point where we're, we're, yeah. we're streamlining our recording pro- progress. I think we need to streamline our internet pro- <laughs> processes yeah. Yeah. because my internet's slow as fuck right now. So um, that would have to come first. But man, I was actually thinking about that earlier this week. What if we, like, on a Monday or Tuesday, just came in and live streamed this yeah. at 7 o'clock, like primetime hour? You guys get to sit down and enjoy us live if you want to. And if not, you can just pick us up on Wednesday morning, the same yeah. as always, and listen to us the way you always have. That'd um, be sweet. I, w- I would enjoy it. We could uh, get some feedback. Yeah. Um, if we have in-depth topics like we have this week, we might not be able to get into a lot of, like, responding yeah. to comments we, back and forth. Like, uh, we, we got... Hangry from Atlanta calling. <laughs> yeah, it would be would be fun to get um, some of our like maybe open it first to like our Patreon members yeah. to call into a show and and maybe have just like a ten or fifteen minute call in time yeah. after we talk about a certain topic so people can comment on it and yeah. give their feedback and stuff. I think that'd be fun. And then I would also get to in my intro be like, "Hey guys, we're live on yeah. the Break the Bell podcast." Cool. But I c- I'm not saying that now because we're not live, unfortunately. No. no. But you get, you know, we will get there. Hey, uh, long time listener, first time caller here. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that that is my goal in life to have somebody say long time listener, first time caller. Yes, you you know you've made it when that happens. Yes, it, just to get to the point where somebody can say long time listener because <laughs> I mean we, we've been doing this what eight nine months yeah, now. Yeah, not quite a so year. Yeah, not quite long time listener. No, <laughs> not not really a long time listener, but I am a first time caller yeah. for you. So so. <laughs> Yeah, um, aspirations, goals. Yes, gotta have goals. Absolutely. I'm always sitting around thinking, like, what's our next step? What do yeah. we do next? And it's becoming super overwhelming just the amount of stuff we've already piled up. Right. It's just like, I mean, it's not like it's too much. It's just prioritizing the time. Right. Um, like sitting down and doing some bonus content. Sitting down, we do two shows a week. We um, do a newsletter, which I didn't get out this week. It just. Yeah. I, I got royally screwed over this week because I sat down to write it last night. Right. Usually I write sit down on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning, yeah. like when the kids are just kind of lounging around. It's a little bit quiet in the mornings on the weekends. Um, and I, I bang it out real quick. Well, I didn't get to it this week until last night I started writing it. It was probably like 11 o'clock at night. So I'm typing it up, putting some thought into it, Kind of hitting a little bit of writer's block, but it started flowing. Got to the point where I, I kind of liked it. Went to hit the preview button because you can preview what it looks like on, on an actual newsletter. You can preview what it looks like on a phone, yeah. all the different stuff, just to see what it looked like. And it gave me an error message. I was like, oh, fuck. And I realized what had happened was I had started it. I would logged into the the program and started it, and then I had walked away from it. And then I, when I came back, I started typing it out. I didn't realize that it had timed out. Oh. And so when I went yeah. to, um, to preview it, it took me back to the login screen. And when I yeah. logged in, it only had the stuff that I had started. So yeah. the entire content was gone. All I had was like the title and stuff. Yeah. And all I, that. Stuff. I had seen what was it? Uh, yeah, I woke up at like one forty-five. And yeah. seeing you had sent something at like one thirty, and you're like this fucking thing. <laughs> yes, yes. I was like, um, 
And I, I had bitched on Facebook. I was like, <laughs> man, when things say that they auto save, don't trust that because yeah. it, it kept saying auto save every yeah. ten and every ten seconds or something. It did not auto save. So fuck MailChimp because <laughs> they're a bunch of liars. It didn't auto save. So I tried to recreate it this morning. Yeah. And I just could not, like, I had all the idea up in my head that I was talking about, right. but I just couldn't get the words back down. So yeah. there will be a newsletter this week. I'm actually thinking about possibly combining that with next week's, like, oh, putting okay. them all into one. Because our topic this week kind of yeah. is a spinoff series right. episode of last week's. Yeah. If you don't remember or didn't listen, last week we dug into the um, Times article. What was the name of that Times article? Shadow Cabinet. Yeah, the sh- shadow campaign. Yes, that's it. it. Shadow it a, campaign to save the 2020 election. There you go. Yeah, yeah. it was a really lengthy, like, condescending. Yeah. Like, we saved democracy You're through welcome. our shadow campaign. And they came out bragging about how um, there was this cabal of, mm-hmm. like, elite uh, businessmen, yeah. uh yeah. Government officials. Yep. There was big tech people yeah. involved from, from union people, activists, and, yeah, like BLM right. activist leaders yeah. and, and people Social like that. Media, yeah, they all collaborated to form this shadow campaign to steer the media the direction they wanted it to, to change the voter laws, yeah. to basically manipulate. Right, they pe- they wanted perception. to make sure Trump did not steal this election, like he did the last election. Yes. so they they did their very best to make sure that democracy did what it was supposed to supposedly supposedly in their eyes they manipulated perception is what i see it as they did yes and they absolutely. basically came out and said it and as we we talked about last week is they blatantly said this cabal of this and that to change perceptions and to to um um direct media or like direct information and stuff like that and it's like we had said Last week, three weeks ago, if we would have came out and said stuff oh, yeah. like that on social media, saying, hey, there's this cabal of people that are right. manipulating yeah. information, yeah. we'd have been lynched. We'd oh, have been yeah. kicked off, deplatformed, yeah. what, what have oh, you, yeah. for, for making up these Trumpism conspiracy theories. Yeah. And they come out bragging about oh, yeah. it, saying, oh, we, say, we did it not to rig the election, but to right. save democracy right. as we know it from the people. We, yeah. How ironic. We save democracy. Right. We save the people from themselves yeah. because they can't. They're not smart enough. No. And so as I was getting to, um, this week is kind of a spinoff of that because actually as I started writing that article, it started triggering more thoughts on like what's the fine line between saving democracy and destroying it. Right. Yeah. You know, what it, what does it take to, to – uh, overstep that line from hey we are taking these drastic measures to protect democracy right till you step over into we just d- did away with democracy yeah, in right. one one fell swoop yeah. without even people even noticing yeah. so that that's kind of what I want to get in into to in this episode and it was just like a continuation of our thought process cuz last week we only had time really to dig into the article right, yeah. we didn't have time to really discuss right. it like discuss our thoughts of yeah. like the like what happens next? Like what this could potentially lead to? Like the repercussion from some a situation like this of a group of people thinking that they know what's best right. for the country? Yeah. When did, when do they stop? Yeah. You know. When, well, you know. I know you guys said that you didn't like this law, but yeah. In order to protect the country, we're going to go ahead and put it in effect anyways. Right. So it's just that whole 
yeah, whole concept of like where's the line of right. democracy yeah. and how like democracy is the rule of the people. Right. That's that's Not, the de- right. definition of it. So when you have a a select group of people that's deciding, an oligarchy. yeah, they're deciding what's best for that the people yeah. for democracy right. purposes. Yeah, yeah, like you said, you're stepping into oligarchy yeah. territory, or even worse. Right. That. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A dictatorship. Yeah, and that that stuff that um, I want to cover in this episode is like how how did democracies of the past how did they fail? Yeah. Like what caused democracies to fail? What caused like what was the step from democracy to dictatorship right. or from d- to worse, from yeah. democracy to worse. Yeah. Because you see it all over history. Yeah. The longest-running democracy was Rome, and right. we all kind of have an idea of how that ended with right. Julius Caesar getting stabbed <laughs> multiple times. Right. So, and that that right. was, like, what, 400-some years? 420-some years, I think, was that, and that was the longest-running yeah. democracy. Right, yeah. And so... And, and, but you see, I mean, if you look at the fall of Rome, and there's, like, a three thick <laughs> volumes of yeah. how it happened you know you see you know threads of it in the united states oh, today lots of it yeah yeah it's like the whole concept of seizing power for x reason right with the promise of relinquishing that power after right. x is accomplished but how often does the relinquishing happen right. after the fact yeah. right when when do you decide um i i think there is a meme i had posted a. Uh, that uh, can't wait till COVID ends is quickly becoming, oh, but he'll change. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about like an abusive spouse or, or boyfriend or something. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's becoming that. It's just yeah. like um, that whole uh, fairy tale of after COVID right. or at the end of COVID or when, when this is all over with, right. um, we see this or that yeah. and making these big plans. It's just like, well... Yeah. That you've already set precedent of being able to shut down private businesses, you know, and force people to wear masks. Yeah. I mean, you know, when is the next time it's, oh, this is for the good of you? Oh, wait, the flu. It's flu season, you know? Right. We need to shut down businesses right. for, you know, about two months and until this Flesh passes. eating bacteria. Right. Yeah. Ebola comes right. back. Yeah. I mean, you remember Ebola back in oh, Obama's yeah. day? Well, it is back. There was a, really? an African nation right. that just said that they have a, a new breakout of it. Fantastic. We right? got Ebola to look forward to now. We can't just keep it to one pandemic at a time. We got to like throw on. What happens when we get a mutated like super virus that's a, a comp- like a compilation of Ebola and right? um it's like COVID. A, COVID it's the all-star Ebola. team of uh <laughs> pandemics. Yeah. They they've joined forces yeah. to form what was that? What was the Power Rangers that? They, oh they, yeah, they, the Megazord, yes. the Mega, <laughs> the Megazord virus. <laughs> Great, we have that to look forward to. Coronavirus, go! <laughs> Sometimes I feel like we don't take shit serious enough. Ebola, go! <laughs> that's why. That's why we don't consider ourselves ever black pilled. Like, no, no. And I don't know if we talked about this on here, but I know one of our podcast um, relations mark claire of the lines liberty podcast talked about the red pilling the blue pilling we all know what that is based on the whole matrix Matrix movie red pilling is kind of the woke scenario right well he talked about in his article go check out mark claire's article um i don't have a link to it but go go find mark claire in his article but he talked about how red pills the woke scenario has a whole split too that is white pilled and black pilled and 
the black pill is when you're woke you realize that there's just like no hope basically mm -hmm. like you see what's really going on and we're all just fucked yeah and then the white pill is the people that see what's going on and see it as like this knowledge is opportunity to overcome what's going on right. rather yeah. than um rather than letting it just completely having that defeatist yeah. mentality it's this whole well we need to do something about this yeah. And then there's us, who's like the, the rainbow pill or something. That we just we just freaking laugh about it. Right. And it's like it's this. Like you know, if it burns down, that's kind of funny. But if it works out, that's okay too. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see that shit that happened this week? Wasn't that hilarious? And everybody's like, Yeah, I know. No, I know. <laughs> I have to be careful who I talk to because I'll, I'll say I'll say something to somebody from the news or something and think it's kind of funny, and then yeah. I'll watch the light fade out of their eyes, mm -hmm. and they're like. Or you'll you'll well, you'll send it to somebody. <laughs> yeah, you'll send it to somebody on like um, Facebook Messenger, yeah. and you'll see just the dot 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 start typing, then stop, and then start <laughs> typing, and then stop, and then all of a sudden they just stop. It's just like wow. <laughs> yep, I crossed the line, yeah. didn't I? <laughs> yep, I just peed in their Wheaties. <laughs> all right, but we are gonna get into this. Um, hopefully, you guys aren't black pilled with all all this shit. But yeah. hopefully, you're you are at that level of like actually. Awakening a little to at least yeah. look into some I, of the stuff. I would think if you're listening to us, you're not black billed. Yeah, I would think that you're you're at least on the edge. <laughs> uh, and I I, I wouldn't want to listen to somebody that's black. No, I wouldn't. Either. Like I wouldn't want to yeah. listen to somebody come on and be like, "We're all fucked, man. There's no hope." Yeah. I mean, you you saw what happened there. Right. What do we do? Yeah. We, there's nothing we can do. We're all fucked. It's yeah. just like who who wants to listen right. to that for yeah two hours? Right. Episode? Yeah. Just like, well, I just want to go kill myself <laughs> yeah. now. Shit. Yeah. Shit. <laughs> but we are going to get into this episode. Speaking of laughing at things, um, we're going to get into this episode of uh, talking about how the possibility of democracy dying. <laughs> that's my that's my preface to this. <laughs> so we're going to get right into this. If you are ready, I'm ready, and we will just kick off this show and dig right in. I guess let's do it. Here we go. What did you say? You talking to me? What what the heck are you talking about? What did you say? What did you say? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? What are you saying? What did you say? Are you talking to me? Well, maybe he was talking to me. What you say? Talk to me. What in heaven's name are you talking about? Talk to me, talk to me, talk to me, baby. Uh, uh, did you just say? What did you say? You listen to me. Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Who are you talking to? In order to ensure the security and continuing stability, the Republic will be reorganized into the first galactic empire for a safe and secure society. This is how liberty dies. With thunderous applause. 
not to be completely dramatic about all this, but I think that clip says it all. Yeah. Like with everything we talked about last week, with what we're going to talk about this week, you played that clip. That's from the uh, first episode of Star Wars, right? Uh, that one's from episode three. From uh, three? Wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, wow. After the Jedi <laughs> it's attack. It's been a while. It's okay. It's been a long time. but I, uh, I could see AOC coming out with the hood and be like, the attack on the Capitol left me horribly disfigured. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But, um, yeah, in the, in the name of protecting the Republic, we're going to change it into... An empire. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes, that is obviously an exaggeration of right. that Times article we read last week. Right. But it's the same sentiment. It's like, yeah. in order to save democracy, we're going to, like, squelch yeah. some free speech and, like, um, redirect information and yeah. m- manipulate the the information that's getting out to people. Yeah. Yeah. And in order to keep safety and security, you know, we, we're going to have to keep people off social media and we're going to have to track down these extremist groups. Yes. Yep. Yep. We're going to have to impose uh, domestic terrorist laws yeah. so we can track down these people yeah. um, without warrants. We can um, find these horrible racist white yes, supremacists. White supremacists are everywhere insurgents now. Insurgents in, in, throughout the country. Yeah. I, isn't, isn't it funny though that like white supremacy, you know, it, it didn't really, even it, when Obama was president, it didn't really raise its ugly head. Until, it wasn't until yeah. Trump came to office, all yeah. of a sudden white supremacy is everywhere. Now. Yeah, everywhere. I mean, they've been, maybe they were in sleeper cells. Maybe, yeah, Trump. I could see that. And he was like the uh, dog whistle for uh, <laughs> the <laughs> white supremacist groups yeah. to come out. Right. But um, I, I had a quote here, and I found this when I was thinking about that Times article and when I was thinking about what I was going to write in our um, newsletter this week. And this this quote is from Hans Kelsen. I have no idea who that is, but I liked the oh. quote. <laughs> so um, this quote says, Whoever is for democracy cannot let himself be caught in the fateful contradiction of reaching for dictatorship to save democracy. Yeah, I like that. Does that not say a world about yeah. what that article talked about? At least the way we read that article. Maybe we're misreading it. Yeah. Maybe I it's not as much of a like push for dictatorship as we think, but just yeah. the way the the gloatful nature of it of right. look what we did, look what we had to do because the people are not able to um Maintain democracy on right. their own. Yeah. The rule of the people is not right. able to be maintained it, by the people. Right. Yeah. How ironic is that? Yeah. A government for the people um, can't be maintained by the people. So yeah. you know, this isn't FUBU. In. It's not for right. us, by us. It's right. for you, by us is yeah, basically exactly. what it is. So um, uh, real quick, Kelsen was an Austrian, Austrian jurist, a legal philosopher, political philosopher, and he was the author of the 1920 Austrian consti- Constitution. Oh. Okay. So there you so go. So he does have some constitutional knowledge, at least the yeah. Austrian constitution. Maybe, uh, do you think uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger knows him? <laughs> um, no, because no. <laughs> he moved to California shortly before uh, Arnold came to uh, uh, prominence. Oh, okay. All so right. Maybe, yeah. actually, they may have came over on the same boat together. I was going to say, maybe. <laughs> do you think maybe they were in California? Maybe that's how Arnold became that could be. The, the governor. Governor. Yeah. Governator. The governor. So there's a fine line, like I said, between saving democracy and destroying democracy. Right. And that that is 
more nothing says it more than that quote saying um we got to be careful not to let uh not to be caught um reaching for dictatorship in the name of saving democracy right. yeah and that's what we see all the time we see it in this article about the mm-hmm. shadow campaign i mean take a look back um 2001 after 9/11 right Patriot the name Act. of name of democracy. Yeah. The name of saving democracy because that was George Bush's whole thing was oh, yeah. they hate us because they hate our freedoms. Yeah. Right, right. You know, and it's funny because there was a um actually there was a Star Wars documentary I, I like watching and they try comparing uh George Bush to the Emperor in that time. And I think this documentary came out in like two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Um it was like uh, the anniversary, thirtieth anniversary of Star Wars. And oh, wow. they were talking about the religious and political um you know, uh, like um, metaphors in Star Wars, and they were trying to say with the the Patriot Act that George Bush was imposing his own like iron will on the people. Oh, was, what's interesting is I read an article, like researching for today's episode, that was talking about like this terrorist event happening, um, going after like suspending like habeas corpus, right, going right. after like Middle Eastern people in Middle Eastern descent. And little did I know they were talking about Hitler. They weren't huh. talking about Ger- George Bush. The article was released in 2003. Interesting. So I know they were um, obviously, like, blatantly paralleling yeah. the two. Oh, yeah. But in a world where Donald Trump is Hitler, and right. I, I think we mentioned a couple weeks ago, it's just like, give it 10 years and everybody loves that president over oh, again. Yeah. Right. Because you see pictures of George W., like linked oh, yeah. arms with like Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah. they're, or, they're BFFs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, everybody and forgets how. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and but you and I and and you know other people of the libertarian persuasion, they would see the Patriot Act as a really bad thing because it's government overreach. Yeah. But as I've discussed before, when I was sitting in a a ethics of criminal justice class, when asked about our thoughts of the Patriot Act. I was the only person that had a problem with it. Everybody else in the class thought it was a great thing because it protected people from terrorism. Mm. So it's like, you know. Yeah, but at what cost, though? Well, that's the thing. Nobody thinks about the cost. Yeah, we we talk about that with the riots when mm-hmm. um, a lot of people on the right were screaming martial law. It's right. like, what yeah. cost? Right. What cost yeah. are you willing to give up? Yeah. How much democracy? It's not just giving up rights. You're giving up democracy. Right. Yeah, and, and they rarely let it go. Yeah. And th- that's another thing is we'll talk, you know, about this, you know, what we have in front of us and, and uh, examples of democracy dying. Mm-hmm. It, it usually goes that way. Yeah, we'll take power to make sure security is good, but they rarely let it go. Yeah, yeah, and that was... Um, the the case like we brought up in the intro with the Roman Empire, right? That's what caused the downfall of democracy in Rome. What what kind of started it? I mean, it was built building up to that, right? right. For year like close to a hundred years, yeah. I think it, it was a while that it was building up to it. But what the final straw was basically like I'm not a scholar, I'm not a Roman scholar, but basically Caesar had obtained more powers than usual for certain wars and certain battles and stuff. And at the end of the day, he wasn't willing to relinquish those powers, and he basically proclaimed himself the all-time leader for the rest of forever. And that's when um, 
the Republic or the, the senators that were protecting democracy themselves right. came in and stabbed him 40 right. times. Yeah. You get that whole et tu brute, right. the whole, his whole best friend yeah. that betrayed him. But then what happened after that? The, the senators came in to protect democracy yeah. by killing Caesar, but democracy basically ended in Rome right. after that Absolutely. and it turned into a full-blown empire yeah. after that because it turned into a major power struggle. Right. And we talked about all the time the vacuum, the power vacuum that right. happens after an overthrow. Right, like Absolutely. That. Yeah, a strong man always comes into power yep. and, and like and we fills that void. Right. And you know what I and like I what I'll think I think we'll see, you know, that this all these groups and people came together to get rid of Trump mm-hmm. because he was the Caesar. Now they're going to turn on each other because they don't have that common enemy. And, yeah, and I, I think, uh, was it Spike, uh, came up with a he did a a little uh, blurb where he talked about where the reason why Trump wasn't impeached is because they need him to be that boogeyman, they need to have that boogeyman to keep them united. So if they don't impeach him, then he's still you still got all he's these people pissed off at him, exactly. and he's still a threat. He can come back. Yeah, we got you had mentioned today that Lindsey Graham was all of a sudden right. switched roles and was like yeah. saying Trump is what we need to yeah. bring this party together. And yeah. he was the one that stood up on the eve of January 6th after all the Capitol riots right? and was like, no, I was going to push for these, but enough is enough. Yeah. This has gone too far. Yeah, Let's proceed. And now he's kissing the ring again, mm-hmm. saying Trump is the future of the Republican Party. We need him to unite us to battle these, these leftist agenda you know, and but at the same time today, you had McConnell come out and say, "Trump is not the future of the Republican Party. We do not want him to be a part of the Republican Party." So there's obviously going to be a power struggle there. Yeah. But then you look at the other side, like you were saying, all these people that were made certain promises. Right. Yeah. And the the problem is the specifically the Democrat Party. I'm sure it's the same on the Republican Party, oh, but I'm the Democrat sure. Party covers such a broad right. spectrum from. Moderate, like JFK style, yeah, liberals to like the more traditional liberals, right? To full blown communists, and yeah. it's just like you cannot right. appease that right. broad of a spectrum, yeah, and expect to not get backlash because yeah. one one side is thinking one thing and the other side's thinking like completely yeah. undo uh, capitalism. Well, and what was it when we were talking, remember we were talking about the DNC, remember there was like 40% of the, the democratic party that they, they were not happy with, um, Biden talking about, you know, supporting police and, and, you know, right. Trying to be more moderate. Yeah. Well, they, yeah. Cause he had flipped on his stance yeah. and came out with, with a more like law and order type right. stance and like against the riots yeah. and, um, having to maintain order and things because he he was noted because he was taking more of a a stance towards it right at first but then realized the backlash mm-hmm. in the polls and then flip flopped his stance on that even right. so yeah you can't appease them and well, we, like we we've said for months now since I mean even before the election like they're gonna come the pipe you oh, got to yeah. pay the piper absolutely it's gonna come absolutely. back around. And that's how things such as uh, the power vacuum happens. Right. I yeah. mean, yeah, we have a person of power because, thank God, the shadow campaign didn't right. allow us to go without a leader. Right. I know. And that was like their big accomplishment. That was their main reasoning is uh, we saw that this could end yeah. at a draw. Right. And then what happens? Right. And it's, thank God they didn't allow for that. Yeah. Yeah. But— 
what gives a chosen few right. the the ability to decide what's best for the masses right. in, in a democracy? Yeah. Yeah. Like we said in the intro, that's not democracy when a a a choice few, a handful of people decide you guys don't know what's best for yourself, so right. we're going to make you think what's right. best for yeah. yourself and make and steer you in that direction through yeah. media manipulation, through um, like blocking certain yeah. information from getting out there, right. manipulating voter laws. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you think any of that information was on mainstream media, right? You know, oh well, today the voter laws changed, uh, so we will be accepting ballots. Uh, through the ninth of November, and um, and if so, if you're not, if you don't get it in the mail, it's okay. You know, just take your time. Right. Well, we are going to talk about like, like we said, um, the downfall of democracy. Whether it, if we think it's coming, right, and we'll we'll get into whether or not we think it's coming. Right. Um, but let's just take a look at some of this and some examples throughout, um, the the show here of other countries that uh, had a failing democracy. The first thing I want to bring up is this Wikipedia article, because we know that's legit information. Absolutely. Wikipedia. It's where I get all my, my it's, facts. It's the, the first uh, line of uh, informational defense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this is a, a phrase that I hadn't heard before because I was looking up like downfalls of democracies. Before a, downfall, a, a democracy like fails, mm-hmm. it goes through this concept known as democratic backsliding, mm. which I hadn't heard before until right. today or this weekend looking up this stuff. De- democratic backsliding, autocratization, which is autocracy, mm-hmm. or de-democratization. De- that's, a, that's a mouthful. De- <laughs> Ugh, I can't even say it. We'll just call it democratic Backsliding. I like it. Sounds like a very Christianese thing. Like it oh, does. He's a, he backslid. <laughs> so in this article, I just wanted to share a few points out of this. I, obviously, I'm not going to read the whole article. It talks about how backs, uh, democratic backsliding can occur in several common ways, and I'm going to read these, and yeah. we can see if this sounds familiar, if it applies to right. us in any way, shape, or form, if we see this at all mm-hmm. today. So backsliding is often led by democratically elected leaders who use incremental rather than revolutionary tactics. So it's not like um, a coup d'etat where right. they just come in in military style and just overthrow a government. That's right. not common t- right. in, 20, in the 21st century. Yeah. says, as emphasized by Stephen Levitsky and Daniel Ziblatt, it is difficult to pinpoint a single specific moment. Hang on, I lost your face. I don't want to lose your face. No. There's your face. There we go. As emphasized by these people, it is difficult to pinpoint a specific moment at which a government is no longer democratic. So think about that and apply it to us. Like, you don't realize when you've slid in from being a full-blown democracy or a Republican democracy or a Democratic Republic, whatever we're calling ourselves. Yeah. When we slid over, like I said, it's a fine line between saving and destroying. Absolutely. At what it when it's this slow moving process in increments, mm-hmm. you don't realize till you look back and you're like, shit, where'd democracy right. go? Yeah, where'd right. all our rights go? Yeah. So it says, given that this process decline manifests slowly and barely visible steps, Ozen Verrill uses the phrase stealth authoritarianism to describe the practice of an authoritarian leader or a potential leader 
using seemingly legitimate mechanisms for anti-democratic ends, concealing anti-democratic practices under the mask of law. And I and there's obviously ways you can point that at, at Donald Trump with some right. of the stuff he said yeah. and some of the rules that he enacted. But you can also point the same finger at right. Obama. You can point the same finger at George Bush. You yeah. can Joe Biden. Oh, all absolutely. of them. Yeah. And actually, you know, some of the the articles we read, you know, talking about uh, you know a populist leader coming in, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of it echoes Trump. You know, yeah. Echoes. Well, yeah. But if you read them. Like, you can see how it applies almost more oh, today yeah. than it did when it was written two years ago about Donald right. Trump. No, Because I've read a couple of those articles that were clearly, blatantly talking about authoritarian Donald Trump. Right. And But if you read, like, the description of what they're talking about, mm-hmm. it applies more, almost more today than it did in the day, right. like, early days of Donald Trump. Yeah. So it says, together with Juan Lentz, there's a lot of people that talked about this, I guess, um says they believe to be four key indicators of authoritarian behavior. So they have these four indicators of authoritarian behavior. Okay. Four factors are rejection or weak commitment to democratic rules of the game, denial of the legitimacy of political opponents. You right. saw that in 2016 with yeah, with Trump. Right. You saw that in 2021 with Trump and Biden. Like right. the whole thing was de- delegitimizing yeah, right. Your political opponents on both sides of the right, spectrum. Yeah, toleration or encouragement of violence. Right. You can see. You can say Either one side, side can say Donald Trump incited violence at the Capitol. We say that um, the other side incited violence With throughout the, the whole summer. Summer. Yeah. The summer of twenty one. Is that going to be a thing in history books? <laughs> the summer of twenty one. They're gonna write songs about it. I, I think they will. You think so? Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, what's his face? Um, Bob Dylan isn't uh, working on something. There you go. <laughs> it wasn't Bob Dylan. It <laughs> was. Um, I can't think of his name. Anyway, um, a readiness to curtail civil liberties of opponents. Do we see any of that going on today? Mm-hmm. Like minimizing civil liberties of people on the opposite side of your political, uh, <laughs> your political spectrum. Right. Including the media, it says specifically. So, yeah, you, we can point a lot of this to Donald Trump and how he called the fake news and how he called out all the media stations that talked against him as being fake and being this and being right. that. Yeah. But then you can turn around and see the events since the election of deplatforming people on right. the right who say anything about delegitimized yeah. elections, anything yeah. about Donald Trump at all right. in pro favor of him. Right. Or that the that there is shenanigans with the election. Mm-hmm. Anything that goes against the narrative has been silenced. Verrill describes the manipulation of libel laws, electoral laws, or terrorism laws as tools to target or discredit political opponents. Which is all going on right now. Yes. Terrorism laws, I have that highlighted specifically. Mm-hmm. Right now, they're pushing the domestic terrorist law, yep. which can, in a broad sweep, include almost any Republican. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody that Absolutely. votes against you could be considered a domestic terrorist yeah. under some of well, the, there the was, things they're talking about. I just read there was a, a pro- pro-life group that got deplatformed because they're considered extreme. A pro-life group? Yes. What I mean, were they like burning down... Planned Parenthoods, or were they just like standing outside protesting? They were just standing outside protesting. Okay, so now protesting is extremism. Right. Protesting in the wrong way. So another form of, what do we call it, backsliding, Mm -hmm. is 
executive aggrandizement. That's a big word. I'm not entirely sure what all that means, but... It sounds like it means doing a lot of executive orders. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> what I took out of it. It says, the process contains a series of institutional changes by the elected executives, impairing the ability of the political opposition to challenge the government or hold it accountable. The most important feature of executive aggrandizement is that the institutional changes are made through legal channels, making it seem as if elected officials has a democratic mandate. You, you mean like when uh, AOC was talking about they're going to get the majority and they're going to pack the courts and they're going to do away at the Electoral College? It talks about stuff like that. It talks yeah. about packing um, the the whole, like, where you have control of the House, right. the, the Senate, yeah. the, the courts, how that just having that full un... Um, yeah, like unattested power can right. lead to the downfall of democracy Absolutely. because nobody's being held accountable. Right. Because w like people can say on either side, well, it's going to be things are going to be so much better now right. that we have a Democrat Senate and a Democrat led yeah. um, Supreme Court and a Democrat in the executive branch. It's yeah. just like, yeah, but when the roles flip, you're going to be screaming right. against exactly. that. Yeah. And there's zero accountability at that point. Checks right. and balances go completely out the window. Absolutely. When there's no balance there. Yeah. Says some examples of executive aggrandizement are the decline of media freedom and the weakening of rule of law, judicial and bureaucratic restraints on the government, such as when judicial autonomy is threatened. So when a certain president is pressuring the Supreme Court, because, mm -hmm. hey, I put you in this office. Why aren't right. you scratching my back? Right, yeah. Sounds about like what that's talking about. On down, it talks about strategic harassment and manipulation during elections. Hmm. Hmm. This form of democratic backsliding entails the impairment of free and fair elections through tactics such as blocking media access, hmm. disqualifying opposition leaders, or harassing opponents. This form of backsliding is done in such a way that elections do not appear to be rigged and rarely involves any apparent violation of the law, making it difficult for international election monitoring organizations to observe or criticize the misconducts. Interesting. Not going to say anything that, that possibly would have happened, but if it did happen, it would have happened in a way... That rarely involves apparent violations of the law. It's going right. to be really hard to prove that yep. an election was rigged. Yeah. So, again, a lot of things here that point right back to right. things we're seeing now today. Yeah. And this is coming straight out of channels of backsliding of democracies. And this isn't even specifically anything pointing at the United right. States at all. This no. is just, in general, this is when democracies backslide. These are things that right. happen. So um, I found a lot of those interesting because, yeah, is. because so much of it applies to today. So yeah. much of it applies. Like, we can point at it and be like, oh, oh, that's happening right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, people are, at, are accused, accusing mm -hmm. rigged elections, at least. It's not being contested anywhere. Right. It's not being allowed to be contested in the courts. Right. Even though now, after the election, you had said this week that it brought up the Supreme Court right. decided, yeah. "Hey, we're going to look into this now." Yeah. Yeah. What do you think that? What do you think that agenda is? I think it's um, 
too little, too late. Uh, I, I think even if they look at it and be like, oh, you know what? There was some shenanigans. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, an NFL game when an official been like, goes back and was like, oh, you know what? That was not roughing the passer. Our bad. You but know, we already lost the game. <laughs> I know. They're not going to go back then and award it mm-hmm. to the other team. It's just like, oh, we'll learn from our mistakes going forward. You know, right. And all it's going to do is piss people off. Yeah. I mean, think about it. If they come out and be like, oh, you know what? Um, yeah, there was evidence of fraud. Um, Trump probably should have won, but it's too late now. Um, we'll be better of it on it next time. What can you do? You know, what <laughs> right. can you really do? Right. So, how, how many people would be pissed? Or you make it look, and I think we talked about this, you make it look like the election system is so flawed right. that we have to completely overhaul the election system altogether yeah. or do away with it. Right. Or, you know, like completely change it, yeah. which is a lot of the stuff we're we're, we're talking about. It's right. like change it to save democracy, change yeah. the election process to ch- to save democracy as we know it. Well, right. we're not saving democracy because yeah. if you turn back and look where do democ- this doesn't look like democracy as we know it anymore. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you see the villainization of the electoral college mm-hmm. you know how people have they they delegitimize anybody that wins by the electoral college you know when we read the article it's like we don't want trump to win by the electoral college again because that's not what the will of the people is right right but that's it's specifically set up to protect the will of the people mm-hmm. right so that the whole country gets a vote not just the elitist on the on the west coast or the right coast mm-hmm. you know it's just it protects people, but they they villainize it, say it's not le- a legitimate way to win, and they want to do away with it. And yeah. you know, God God help, you know, any party that they do away the electoral college. Yeah, right. Well, uh, there's a push now that electoral college was stemmed out of racism. Oh yeah, to yeah, delegitimize the the African American votes. A- everything's going to stem out of racism. Uh, obviously, now. obviously, but. Yeah, that that is the big push right now, yeah. and that was, um, remember the war games we had talked about. That was one of the things yeah. when they were going to threaten to secede unless we split up these states. It. Yeah, and so we had more representation, right? And then we did away with electoral college, yeah. and so there was that push then during those war games. So. Yeah. You you gotta know that that that's in the works. Absolutely, they're they're planning that game because yeah. they played that in their war games. It's it's there. They're holding yeah. that for something for yeah. the next. Big well, they event. they've lost, they lost to Bush back in uh, two thousand because of the electoral college, mm-hmm. and then they lost to Trump in two thousand sixteen because of the electoral college. And so, they they feared if they lost to Trump in twenty twenty yeah. that it would have been uh, oh absolutely. to the electoral college, yeah. not to the popular vote. Yeah, and I mean, there's too much red in the middle of the country that they just can't contend with. Right. Yeah, and I, it's scary to me just the thought of this stealth authoritarianism, mm-hmm. right. because that's that that's where it would come from. That's where yeah. we've been talking about it going. Yeah, like just all these little executive orders being put to play, or mm-hmm. like we said, the the Patriot Act. In the name of freedom, in the name yeah. of security, in the name of safety. We talked about this on, on episode one. Yeah. Like giving up, relinquishing right. some of your rights in the name of safety. In the right. name of, tw- uh, we, we said, in the name of a $1,200 right. stimulus check. Right, yeah. Take our freedoms from us. Just keep us safe. Right. You know, keep us 
uh, give us a little bit of money you can have. Just make sure you give that freedom back. Right, right. We brought up the whole concept of the new normal back then of how they they strip their our thought was they were going to strip away a lot of our rights mm-hmm. and then give back some of our rights so we feel like things went back to the way it was. Right. But now we're living in this new normal. And what we don't realize is we don't take a look back and see, oh, what were rights they didn't give back. Right. Because they took a bunch of them away, made us really uncomfortable yeah. to give some of them back and make us feel like, oh, they have our best interest at hand. Right. They're, they're, they're giving them back to us now. Yeah. We're, we're able to go eat at restaurants now. Right. We're able to We don't go get TV, sh- but we can go eat at restaurants. <laughs> yeah. We're able to shop yeah. at the stores we want to now. but. Yeah. Um, we uh, we can't go to bars after 10 in some places, right. you know? Yeah. Like, things won't go back to normal. Right, yeah. And, Again. And, and, in, and in certain states, you know, I, obviously it's going to be worse in, you know, like California and New York than it will be in, say, Iowa or yeah. Montana. Right. You know, um, you know, and I'm curious, if you look at, if you look at the United States, and maybe I'm getting ahead of things um, with our talk, but that's all right. If you look at the United States, and there's been periods of time, obviously, where different people have come into power, where there's been more backsliding than others, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you had a little bit, you know, when Lincoln uh, was in office, yeah, he suspended habeas corpus during the um, during Civil the Civil War, War yep. you know, to silence dissent against the Civil War. And at that time, I'm sure people were there were people that were nervous. So obviously, the South, yeah, you know, right. Felt like they were threatened at that time. Um, well, state sovereignty was threatened. At right, that point. exactly. Yeah, state sovereignty was being threatened, so that they they rebelled. Yeah. Right. Um, when you look at uh, say when um, during the depression when Roosevelt came into office, you know, and he put a lot of government plans into action. You know, he, he created. I think it was the well, and actually in one of the articles, the New Deal, he packed the courts. Right. He. Um, created it was the the biggest growth of government in the history of the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, creating all these government programs to provide jobs for people. Right, and he was president for four terms. Yes, which unprecedented at the time. Yeah, right. So yeah. Uh, during that time, oh, and, and if you were Japanese or German, you were put into internment camps. Yeah, right. Exactly. I was actually going to say I think since World War II, it's just been blatant. Like right. stripping rights away, blatant overstepping that the ground, yeah. or s- overstepping that fine line that we talked about between protecting us and destroying us, right. or or changing us to something else. And I yeah. think if you look from World War II to now, like pre World War II, I think democracy looked a lot different than absolutely. it does now. Oh, I agree, absolutely. With the consolidation of of power that was required to fight. Uh, <laughs> worldwide war like right. world war Two, yeah with the um the financial situation that came after that with um i i think that was the first time like the military was all encompassing like it went from right. being less of like militia driven right. like state militias to yeah. like federal like all-encompassing military, yeah. and, and don't and don't quote me on any no, of that. No, but well, I I believe Eisenhower came out um, when he was president and actually said, you know, obviously it was after World War II, but he he said we're we're witnessing witnessing the rise of the military industrialization this in complex. His, um, this was in his like farewell to the nation. Right, right, speech. right. Yeah, and and he knew at that point it was never going to go back mm-hmm. to the militia style that it was before because yeah. we had crossed that threshold. Yeah, 
and and, and people saw that war brought profit. Yeah. And from there, it just kept marching. Yeah. When uh, money gets involved, rights really go out the window because yeah. people want to protect their financial interests. Yeah. And we'll get into that, too. Like, when the elitists feel like they're getting threatened, their financial interests are getting threatened, yeah. then things, yeah. like, get changed in their favor. Yeah. So this next section, we talked about uh, democratic backsliding. This article here, I'm not going to read—we're not going to really read full articles like we usually yeah. do. I'm just going to touch on some points. But this article is from um, rdi.org. It's called, How Do Democracies Turn Into Dictatorships? So this is that stepping over that line right? or that sliding, that slow process sliding from democracy to dictatorship without the general public really realizing it until it's too late. Right. So— and I'll post links to all these articles so you can actually dig further into the articles in the show notes. But again, I'm not going to read. I just have some highlighted points I want to hit. So this section here says, the ways that dictators come to power in a democracy. So you would think in a democracy, especially like in the times of Rome, when I was reading that, right. they thought they were invincible to right. a, a dictator coming into power. They thought they had this perfect... Yeah, all-encompassing system that would outlast any, or would like be able to outdo any yeah. uprising of a dictator. But there are ways that um, dictators work their way into oh, yeah. power. Well, and how many times do you hear people say, "Oh, well, America's not going to become communist." I mean, yeah. it, it's America. Over my dead body. You're right, exactly. You'll have to pry that gun from my cold dead right. hands. That, or, or you know, you have youth that just it's like. You know, our country's always been free. It's always going to be free. You know, yeah. not realizing how how thin that line is. Right, right. But this um, section here says, Dictators may rise to power in a democracy through several ways. One is the result of political polarization. Hmm, interesting. Don't see any of that around here. No, not at all. Where the competing political sides no longer want to cooperate with one another, allowing violent or extremist groups to take over politics instead. Interesting. And I had read the like I'd read several articles looking into stuff for this episode and yeah. it was all basically saying the same thing. And right. this was one of the biggest points. It's like in a true democracy, both sides know that they oppose each other, but they both can play ball together. Right. They recognize the other as I wouldn't call it a necessary evil, right. but as like that debate. Mm-hmm. Right. They right. they recognize the importance yeah. and the value of the debate. They recognize the importance of uh um, the accountability that we talked mm -hmm. about in checks and balances. Right. And then it gets to a point like now where both sides see the other side as the blatant enemy, right. as yeah. the the pedophile cabal or yeah. the, the right-wing uh, conspiracy white supremacist yeah. group. Like it's no longer, hey, I don't really agree with that. Right. Let's talk about yeah. it. It's turned into you are the, the enemy. Yeah. And, you know, I saw that that line change. When Obama was president, mm. you know, when you had people that you can say anything against Obama or else you're a racist. Yeah. You're a white supremacist, you know, and um, if you voted against Obama. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're a racist. You're a racist. Absolutely. You know, it, it, Tea Party was racist. You know, I mean, anything that that opposed him, you know, you reported against Obama, you're a racist. You yeah. Know? And so there was no reporting against him. The The Republican Party started to get demonized. Mm hmm. 
And and that's when the shift happened, as far as I remember. Well, I, I saw, and I, I've said this, since Trump took office, I saw Obama as the polling the left mm-hmm. to one polarized side. And then Trump came and pulled the right to right. the other polarized yeah. side. And so it would, whether it's systematic or whether it was just it what happened because yeah. of um, egotistical leaders. Well, that was it. I mean, I, I think Obama disenfranchised a large population in the United States when he took his identity politics to a, a degree. Yeah. Right. I mean, w- you look at what he said. Um, you know, you got Americans clinging on to their Bibles and their guns, you know, that his uh, you whole, know, you didn't build that. Yeah. You, you didn't, didn't build make that, that, you know, like business owners exactly. and things like you that. You know, saying, oh, you know, typical white people, you mm-hmm. know, are, you know, they're, they're scared, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, his grandmother was racist, you know, she was white, you know, she, but she was a typical white person, mm-hmm. you know, so you go from there, you disenfranchised a large population who felt like they had no voice. They go to Trump. Yeah. What does Trump do? disenfranchises a whole section of the country because it's like he focuses on make America great, which people take as, oh, you're making America great. Wow, that's nationalist. Yeah. Very Nazi of you. you Yeah. And so it just keeps going back and forth. Even if not Nazi, it was um, the whole, like, what was that version of government that was, I I can't remember. Hang on. Let me pull back up this Wikipedia article talked about. um Populism yes. is what it was. It yeah. was the whole populism right. movement, which um, emphasizes legitimate political authority is based on popular sovereignty, which I think that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, challenges the legitimacy of certain cultures and economic powers. Yeah. Um, it ba- and it usually the leadership—this one was big. It, the leadership by maverick outsiders who claim to speak for— the ordinary population, and that was mm-hmm. Trump. Hands right, down, that right. was Trump. Absolutely. was He was the outsider. Everybody called him the outsider. Yeah. He was the voice of the people, even though right. he's a billionaire, that right. an egotistical yeah. billionaire. But because had, he said stuff like crap and hell, they thought like he was mm-hmm. he was down to earth and he was honest and he was speaking for them. He even said fuck on uh, right? um, what's the guy that uh, Rush Limbaugh? Show. Oh, right, right, yeah. So <laughs> in his last uh, couple months in office, so but but then you have the media try to paint that. Oh well, the only reason why Trump was elected office is because of all the white supremacist or racism of people got tired. They got mad at Obama and mm-hmm. they wanted to bring him in. And the Democratic Party built on that and said, and you know, if you vote for Trump, obviously you're white supremacist. You hate mm-hmm. people, you know, obviously. And so now here we are, highly polarized. Yep, highly polarized to. Where we can't see across the lines, yeah. we can't come to an agreement. Um, this is is pushing people to extremist sides. Absolutely. Whether we disagree with the whole concept of oh, we need domestic terrorist laws, yeah. there are extremists on both sides. Yeah. You look at the riots all summer long. You look at the D.C. riots. Yeah. There's extremists on both right. sides. Yeah. And it's not getting any better. No. There's no unity coming anytime soon. No. No. No matter how much Biden wants to promise it. Right. So a more subtle way that um, dictators come to power in a democracy, it says, when elites first grab grab onto power through democratic means before stripping them away, before stripping away democratic rights, and we talked about that, like Mm -hmm. the people that want the power, the elitists, whatever you call them, they are democratically elected. Right. 
they are brought to power lawfully, and then little by little they start stripping away the rights through yeah. executive orders, yeah. through even legislation. Yeah. Legislation can lead you can legislate a dictatorship. Oh, absolutely. In a democracy, just yeah. by signing a few a few bills saying, yeah. "Hey, we." We're no longer going to allow this. Yeah. We're going to take away the Second Amendment. We're going yeah. to um, take away your free, oil rights, freedom of speech, yeah, freedom all that of stuff. religion, right? Because of COVID, you can't go to church. Yeah, yeah, take away all that stuff. And this brings me to this comparison of the. The Nazi Party. I, I'm sorry. I, there's no two ways around it. No, I, mean, I know. You, you um, got to go. <laughs> freaking, what's her name? That uh, who is the Star Wars? Girl? Oh, Gina Carano. Yeah, she got vilified for it. She got fired for yeah. comparing to Nazi Germany. But Nazi Germany is a classic example of yeah. a country that supposedly was a democracy right. after World War One. A right. democracy was formed. The yeah. the Weimar Republic. I mean, it was very short-lived, right? Yeah, but it, it was f- formed as a democracy yeah. in place of it was a monarchy before that, wasn't right. it? Yeah, right. Before World War One, and then they decided to form a democracy, and yeah. it crashed and burned miserably. Yeah. And, but you know, it, it's one of those historic cautionary tales that everybody should look at because it's what happens when when <laughs> government overreaches tries to con- manipulate the market mm-hmm. even as a democracy and and things fail and right. and people are reaching for a savior yeah and here comes in put a name in yeah <laughs> whoever have you I'm not saying it put a name in there Hitler um Stalin was put to got, got to power because uh, the people right. were dis- dissatisfied there was that political vacuum and that's how Stalin right. got to power Napoleon too yeah yeah, I mean, so it's, it's you know <laughs> happens throughout history. This little section of this article that I was just on says the Weimar Weimar Germany's descent into Nazism was one of history's most evocative examples of democratic collapse. In 1919, after the end of World War One, Germany was defeated, its monarchy ousted, and a republican democracy was formed in its place. The young Weimar Republic had a highly innovative constitution similar to what we think of our own, right. um, that for the first time in German history granted all Germans broad representation and the universal right to vote. Nice. So the first time ever, they were basically what we think America is today Right. in 1919. And then how long before Hitler rose to power? Right. It was like 1932 or something when Nazis were full-blown yeah. in power of, of Germany. So... Mm-hmm. What, 15 years? 13 years? Yeah. Not long at all. So I have this other article from Forbes that talks a little more about uh, the Weimar Republic just because um, I think the comparison does need to be made. I think so, Even if we don't, uh, even if it makes us a little uncomfortable, I'm going to read a few things here, and you're going to be like, holy shit, that's right. It's there. I think we've been on this track since probably about 2000. 2008, since yeah. the, the, the bubble burst. Yeah, So right. So this one is... Oops, wrong screen. Uh, this article's titled, How Dictators Come to Power in a Democracy. So similar to what we were just talking about. And there's a nice picture of Dolph himself. 
I think I think he he was called Dolph. The, that was his pet name. I, I think they called him the Dolph. So this talks about the, the it talks about all the things that led up to it that we just kind of briefly talked about. Right. I'm not going to hit on all of that, but the big thing takeaway from this is when a democracy comes under crisis. Right. Whether that is a financial crisis, a pandemic, a manufactured artificial crisis to make right. it look like um, there is this elaborate group right. of in insurgents in the country that we need to do exactly. something about. Because never let a good crisis go to waste. Yes. So it talks about, it says, then came the inflation crisis. Um, we all have a kind of an understanding of World War II, how that ended badly. Or no, I mean World War One. Right. How it ended badly and... Germany was left with all these reparations that they had to pay for the war. And that's what initially tanked their economy, and that's right. what put them in the position they were in. It says, Victorious allies demanded that Germany pay steep reparations, apparently without giving much thought about how Germans would get the money for that. Trade restrictions made it hard for German companies to earn money through exports. European tariffs gen generally tripled and were as much as 800% higher than pre-war levels. That's, that's really insane. high. Really high tariffs. So it talks about that, but then they actually bounced back kind of from that. That okay. did get the push for the Nazi party to kind of step up and mm -hmm. say, hey, um, things suck here. And I think that they won the majority by like a percentage or something like that. Yeah. Well, and, and during that time, you had the Communist Party that was also trying to get a, a foothold in there. Yeah, right. So, so there's a lot going on over there mm -hmm. at that time. But... Again, they were bouncing back, so right. it was almost to the point where it's just like, well, we don't really need this. And then came the Great Depression, right. which made a bigger crisis on yeah. top of an already like flailing economy. Yeah. So it says, by itself, reparation, reparations would have been daunting, but Germany also had financial stressed out welfare state. So you see that? coming right. to a country near you. We <laughs> right. have a welfare state. I don't yeah. know that it's quite as stressed out as um, well, Germany post-war. Right. But, I mean, you saw what happened with um, Greece, you know, a couple years yes. ago, you know, and how the, all these retirement funds came due, you know, at one time. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, the country didn't have the money to keep up, keep up with it. Mm -hmm. This says almost 90% of government spending went for a big bureaucracy social programs, money-losing, nationalized businesses, and other subsidies. The German government subsidized mun municipalities much as U.S. states are begging the federal government for bailouts now. This was written in 2013, so this was post-bubble right, burst, right, like okay. you were talking about. Yeah. The government lavished subsidies on the arts. Do you remember when we talked about all the things they were trying mm -hmm. to include in the stimulus bill, yeah. and some of them were trying to, like— push up the arts programs right. and yeah. stuff, which we do see importance in that, but in yeah. an economic stimulus. Right. Yeah. When you're when pandemic you're, recovery. I was gonna say in pandemic recovery, do you really need to do, you know, five hundred million dollars to, you know, the the arts. <laughs> the Smithsonian right, or yeah, whatever. Right. For yeah. It, it, then it goes on to say there were government-run theaters, opera houses, government-owned railroads lost money. And that was another thing. Remember, yeah. they were propping up Amtrak right. in that stimulus, the proposed stimulus yeah. bill, at least. I don't know if that ended up passing or not, but we I had covered so, yeah. that. We're like, why the hell are they right. trying to prop up Amtrak? Yeah. 
says the German central bank began printing stupendous quantities of paper money to pay for this. Also something we see. Right. At the peak of inflation in the late in late 1923, only 1.3% of government spending was covered by tax revenue. That's insane. 1.3%. So if our government spending equals $12 trillion, I don't know what's at now. $12 trillion sounds about right. Only 1.3% of that? Right. What is that? E- that's what? A billion? A billion yeah. and a half? Something yeah. like that? A couple billion dollars out of the one? P- or uh, No, it would be like $100 billion. 1.3% of 12 trillion would be like right like, okay something like uh, yeah. a lot less than what right. they what they have. have i can't do math off the top <laughs> of my head i'm sorry says the result was that in less than 5 years prices soared 100 billion fold that's insane so something that cost you a dollar today would cost you 100 billion dollars yeah in 5 years from now yeah it was to the point where they would walk into a grocery store pick up a bag of sugar a pound of sugar that would cost like a trillion marks, something yeah. ridiculous well, like that. What was it? I, I when I was uh, we came on, I was reading you the the value of um, the U.S. dollar. Yeah, it was like it was, um, it was hundreds like, of billions or something. It, like that. it was like it was like two point three trillion marks. Marks. Well, like I said, you go and get a pound of sugar that costs a trillion marks. By the time you got up to the register, that a half a pound of yeah. sugar would cost a trillion marks. So it yeah. doubled in price. In the amount of time it took you yeah. to pick up that bag and walk back. But you see that with the dev- devaluation of the dollar that's slowly been happening for the last, you know, what, 60, 70 years. You know, right. look where it's at now. You know, a house, you know, that cost $100,000, you know, back when the dollar was in its heyday, you could get the house for like $30,000, mm-hmm. you know, but that's how much the dollar's devalued. Right, right. It's And right now, like we talked about how they... We're only covering 1.3% of their government spending with tax revenue. Well, we get this uh, like huge Green New Deal package that was proposed that was how yeah. many trillions of dollars? Yeah. Like upwards of like $10 trillion or something so. like that. Yeah. And people are like, how are we going to pay for this? And the whole sentiment was like, who cares? We need to do it. Right. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Just print more money. Exactly. And yep. you see... This is obviously an over-exaggeration of what we have today, but when you are saying things like, fuck, $10 trillion, just print more money, we'll pay for it, who cares? Things like this happen. That's how money becomes garbage. And and I think that we we had said uh, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Green Deal that there's going to be a, um, what is it, like a, oh gosh, like 70% of the new Green Deal, they don't have money for Mm-hmm. They have to print it to get it to go because yeah. they have no way to, with all the tax um, tax raises that Biden's talking about, still is not going to cover what they want to do. Not even a fraction of it. No. Again, it, it goes back to this over-exaggerated example of that, and it's just like, you're just going to have to print more money. Mm-hmm. Throw throw paper at it. Yeah. That right. is going to be virtually worthless once you do that. Yeah. People don't understand that. They don't look at the fact that, hey, mm-hmm. we don't have the money for this. We can't print money. I mean, we can print money, but that's just going to make your money right. worth even less. Yeah. And so that's how people like Hitler rose to power in the first place. You yeah. get somebody that is egotistical enough to say, I can fix this. Yeah. This is a problem. Yeah. I can fix this. Right. And I'm not going to be one to say that he had good intentions. No. I don't necessarily think that he was like, 
like trying to manipulate the situation to get to power. I think he saw an actual struggle, and through his derangement and egotistical mindset, he did it in the way that he saw was best for the country, which did bring the economy back booming. Because, like we talked about, war economy is money. There's a lot of money in war, so you just start going to war with places. You start taking over countries, and uh, you get more money. And you start (laughs) vilifying certain group people groups. Yeah. You push the blame off on uh, a minority group yeah, and say, hey, everything that's happened, all the problems we're having, it's because of it's that. It's their fault. Yep. It's their fault. And that was the reason why it got pointed at Jewish people was, A, they were generally like the richer people right. sometimes. In charge of the banks. In charge of the banks. And B, they <laughs> yeah. chose Jewish people to sign the Treaty of Versailles after World War One. So right. he pointed at them and they're like, look. They did it. Yeah. <laughs> They're the reason we're in this mess. Yeah, right. And so just po- pointing the blame at people, and that's all that is. Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. It's just, just kind of a scary thought process yeah. to be in. You know, but when you look at, you know, people like to make the comparison between Trump and, and Hitler. Mm-hmm. I don't believe Trump ever came out and said, hey, these people here are the reason why we're having the issues we're having. Yeah. You know, he said that, you know, we haven't traditionally put America first. Yeah. I'm going to put America first in our deals. I'm right. going to restructure these deals to make sure America is not sucking wind. Yeah. And he did that. But right. he didn't call call out and be like, you know what? If it wasn't for all these illegal immigrants, then we would be better off as a country. So we need to um, we need to we need to go after them. Yeah. You know, and. But because he put travel bans in place for Muslim countries, that's what people said that he they thought he was trying to do. Yeah. And it was nothing like that. No, no. But I definitely see that egotistical, like we had said that outsider, like oh, save yeah. the country from from the elitists or whatever. And right. it was all self-gain. Oh, it was absolutely. all self, yeah. like self-promoting and stuff like and all that stuff. So we can point bad fingers at Trump just the same as we are oh, with it. But on the the flip side, all the stuff that you can say, oh, look, that was Donald Trump. This is happening with every president that's been absolutely. in power for decades, yeah, for almost a century now, yeah, if not longer. I missed a part in that last article that I really wanted to talk about. So we talked about how they come to power beat through like crises. Right. And other reasons for for um, for dictators rising to power in a democracy. The one that I really was interested in when I read it was, in this last article, it says, In some cases, democracies fall into dictatorships when elites, um, which is people in important positions in society, such as political leadership, business, we know what elites are, you don't have to explain that to us, feel that the democratic system no longer works for them. The system is at odds with their financial or political interests, and as a result, they may seek non-democratic alternatives that will protect their wealth, status, or political influence from being taken away by rival elites or the average voter. So when the elites see, I mentioned early on, Mm -hmm. Their financial interests are being affected here. We need to make some policy changes or we need to step it up and change some stuff because this democracy isn't working for us. Right. Says these non-democratic alternatives may then take power through a a variety of methods. 
One means is to use democracy against itself. In this situation, a specific party wins an election and then uses its position as the leader of the government to curtail democratic rights, such as canceling future elections. Mm-hmm. And we had said, brought up the idea, the concept that maybe the Supreme Court looking into all this election fraud now, maybe yeah. they'll come up with this idea that, oh shit, this doesn't work. We need to revamp right. the election process. Mm-hmm. Says the Nazi Party, democratically elected with 33% of the vote in 1932, uh, did exactly this in 33 when they used the Reichstag emergency to ena- enact authoritarian measures in the name of maintaining public order, including banning all oppositional political parties and ending competitive elections. Now, for those that don't know, what is the Reichstag emergency that happened? I was going to ask you to explain oh. that. <laughs> that was where I was going next. Okay. What I was the Reichstag, you. Bill? Uh, well, it was the um, basically the German Capitol building that got burned down. Yes. Yeah. People, it was, I. whether or not it was a false flag incident to right. spark things or whether or not it was an actual event like a group of protesters or yeah disenfranchised people burnt down the Capitol building. I I think that they proved that it, um, I think they proved that it was a false flag. That's what I think too. But either way, the Capitol building was attacked and authoritarian measures in the name of maintaining public order include banning all oppositional political parties. We don't see banning of political parties now, but we see vilifying of opposing political parties. Anybody that had anything to do with the right, unless they denounce Trump and denounce this attack, this Reichstag emergency. Yeah. They're the opponent. Yeah. They are the enemy. And then this one ultimately led to ending competitive elections. Does that sound scary to you? Yeah. So what you got? I, I see uh, your your wheel spinning. I, I, I am. Uh, yeah. No, I was. Uh, let's see here. I'm just looking up if they had proof that it was. It says, the federal election in uh, March 1933 was the last all-German election prior to World War II that was at least partly free. From then on, while elections were still held, voters were presented with a single list comprising Nazis and guests of the party. These guests, however, fully supported Hitler. So, so they had a vote, but right. they only had Nazis on it. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, you can vote, but you got to vote for one yeah. of our guys. Elections during this time were not secret. Vote, voters were often threatened with severe reprisals if they failed to vote or dared to vote. No, under the circumstances, the Nazi list carried with, well, over 90% of the vote each time. I wonder why. Um, until enactment of the Nuremberg Laws in 1935, Jews, Poles, and other ethnic minorities still held nominal citizenship rights. Not only were they allowed to vote, but in districts known to have large populations of minorities, the Nazis often abstained from engaging in tactics used elsewhere to compel the electorate to vote in favor of the regime. In essence, the Nazis' toxicity encouraged minorities to vote against them so that their propaganda could cite the relatively unfavorable results in districts known to have large minorities. So they would use them to vote. They knew they were going to vote against them. Mm-hmm. They let them vote against them and then cl- showed the disloyalty to the party. Interesting. By Manipulated the, the whole situation. Yes, they did. Like, look at these people. They're voting. They're the, the only ones allowed to yeah, vote against it. Right. And in turn, they turn around and say, look, they voted against it. Yeah. They're, they're not loyal to our country. Right. They, that's why they hate you. <laughs> yeah. 
And again, not to keep comparing the United States to Nazi Germany. Yeah. But just some, there's so many comparisons now. And for Gina Carano to get fired for just making like a very small, very minor comparison, just making like a sentence. Yeah. It's like she could have read some of these articles here that we're reading and saying, look at this. This happened in Nazi Germany. Does this look anything familiar? Not saying that this happened in America, but uh, Capitol building was burned and opposing exactly. political parties were vilified. So the on the Reichstag fire itself, it says it was an arson attack on the Reichstag building, home of the German parliament in Berlin, on uh, 27th of February, 1933, uh, four weeks after Hitler was sworn in as chancellor of Germany. Um, stated that Mar- Marinus van der Lubbe, a Dutch council communist, was the culprit, and it attributed the fire to communist agitators. A German court decided later that the year, uh, later that year, that van der Lubbe had acted alone, as he had claimed. The day after the fire, the Reichstag fire decree was passed. The Nazi Party used the fire as a pretext to claim that communists were plotting against the German government which made the fire pivotal in the establishment of Nazi Germany. Uh, do you see the comparison with January 6th? A little bit, a little bit. Even yeah. if it was, like, pro-Trump supporters, and it wasn't like a false flag where it wasn't Antifa um, attacking the Capitol, as some people claim, oh, it's just um, actors, like paid actors or whatever, just to get people to push back against Trump supporters, even if it was Trump supporters and MAGA hat-wearing, yeah. crazy, like, <clears throat> Viking horn-wearing dudes, they're using this for political motivation yeah. and for political pressure to um, pressure at least to take sides. Like, yeah. we, we mentioned the line in the sand that was drawn that night. Yeah. Just like, you're with us or you're the enemy. Yeah. And... um well, and and according to this, apparently that uh, says, however, in the days following uh, the incident, major newspapers in the U.S. and London were immediately skeptical of the good fortune of the Nazis and finding a communist scapegoat. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, this is crazy. Like I, I didn't like I, I wanted to make some minor comparisons, but the more I read, yeah. like how the Nazi. Pa- uh, party came to power mm-hmm. and how the democracy the weimar republic fell mm-hmm. to this brutal dictator regime it's like how how far are we from that right i know the comparisons are <laughs> really are mind-blowing yeah and we got some more comparisons there's other countries out there uh, i mean there's plenty of failed democracy out there oh yeah and we're going to talk about that in the second half it is about time to get into break um you have an article, another article to read about how we lose our constitutional democracy. Yeah. We'll get into that in the second half, and then we'll talk about some more of these comparisons. We'll push away from the Nazi party because yeah. that's not—this whole episode wasn't to call uh, right. the United States Nazi Germany right. by no, any stretch. Nor saying that we're headed in that direction, but we're, we're just to point out how how tentative democracy falls and in the in the conditions that it falls. This, Yeah, and this is like a— um, caricature <clears throat> like an over-exaggerated caricature of what we could become like right. the overprinting of money the financial crisis right. the um the demonization of one party over, over the another other. Yeah. based on a certain events like yeah. being used to pressure people into like siding yeah. with you right. or against you take sides on yeah. it so Mani- manipulating like, the electorate i mean all these things again like we don't 
think we are that, but no. we think this is like an exaggeration of yeah. what could happen. Right. And again, you know, it's a cautionary tale that people don't learn but should learn. They don't want to learn because no, they it's don't. uncomfortable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, don't talk about the Nazis. Don't talk about the Jews. But they miss this whole swath of how it happened. Mm-hmm. You know, they just assume that, oh, well, Hitler tricked people. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. They, they bought into it. He was just a propagandist. He right. he just was a manipulator, yeah. and they just bought it. No, it it, it was a, people a wanted process. This. Like, things led up to this. Yeah, right. Crises led up to this, where people, like, chose, voted into power, these mm-hmm. people. Like, they were put into power through a democratic process. Right, exactly. And people didn't even know what was happening until it was too late. Mm-hmm. And then they look back, and they're like, fuck. Yep. How yep. did we let it happen? We slid across that line and didn't yep. even realize it. Yep. So we're going to get into break right now. When we come back, we will keep at it. So we'll be right back. Have you ever thought that maybe voting, maybe all this politics constantly surrounding you is not the way to achieve freedom in your life? Hi, I'm Remso W. Martinez, and I ask myself the same question. That's why I'm on a journey to find true freedom in my lifetime. From learning about financial independence to new ways to develop rugged individualism to amazing guests living strange, crazy, amazing lifestyles that you've only thought might be real, but actually are. Go ahead and check out my new show, On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez at the We Are Libertarians Network. You can find On the Run with Remsa W. Martinez on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. You know how the internet works. Come on down and let's discover how to achieve real freedom in your life together. Do you need a hand with video and YouTube content editing and production? Send some love to our newest sponsor, Vanzot Media, a freelance video editor and YouTube content creator that produces a wide variety of content such as audiobooks, audio dramas, podcasts, gaming videos, and interviews. Vanzot is passionate about entertainment and dedicated to helping others grow their name and brand. Check them out at facebook.com slash vanzotmedia. That's B-A-N-Z-O-T media. Facebook.com slash vanzotmedia. Hey, everybody. I just want to take this time to give a big shout out to the very first sponsor of the Break the Bell podcast. That is Goulash Media. They can be found at goulashmedia.net. Uh, Goulash Media specializes in graphic design, web design, audio recordings, video work, wedding videos, uh, music videos, even political campaign videos. Uh, Goulash Media caters to the little guy with the big vision. You can check them out at goulashmedia.net. That's G-O-U-L-A-S-H media.net. All right, we are back. Are you sleeping, Bill? No. Kinda look like you're sleeping no, I here. found some good stuff here. All right, we got good stuff. Yeah, we always have good stuff. We still got more stuff to talk about, more stuff to cover. Um, if if you don't remember, because of that lengthy break that we just took, which to you is like three minutes long, um, we were talking about like that fine line crossed between saving democracy or preserving democracy yeah. and 
completely, utterly destroying <laughs> democracy. Right. You know, that fast slide into yeah. what, what where you're looking back and you're like, what the hell just yeah, happened? You look back and you're like, whoa, 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 there, yeah. there was the line back there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How did uh, we get here? And at that point, once you realize that it's too late, it's too late. Right. Because usually at that point, like we talked about um, leaders being like dic- dictator mindset leaders being democratically elected right. and then through legislation or through executive order or through what whatever means yeah legal means doing away with democracy de- yeah. democratic processes and so once those democratic processes are done away with you look back and you realize we crossed the line you can't go back because right. that 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 the right to go back yeah. has just been eliminated yeah and as we you know we spent a lot of time looking at uh, you know the buildup to Nazi Germany uh-huh. and how a lot of these, you know, tyrants or whatever, you know, they, they play off of making a boogeyman, right? Right. Having right. a common enemy. Um, you know, a popular quote you see leading up to that is, you know, um, it was by, a, I believe, a, a Protestant preacher who said, you know, they came for the socialist. I said nothing. They came for the communist. I said nothing. Mm-hmm. They came for the Jews. I said nothing. And when they came for me, there was no one left to have a voice. Right. Right, and that's just it. It's like once once it affects you, it's probably too late. Right. When uh, you are pushing for the other political party to have their rights stripped away from them or, or, or yeah. people that support something other than yourself having their rights stripped away from them, what happens when it comes on you? Then it's too late. Right. There's All these people, like we were talking about, that were praising martial law, that were praising, you know, silencing of, of you know, conservatives on social media. Right. Or you even know. praising, like you said, praising the the um, Patriot Act. Right, right, right. Where they can just... Yeah. You know, well, I, I'm not a terrorist. I don't care if they read my emails. Yeah, you know? but you're setting a precedent. Because oh, yeah, exactly. If they, they just have this blanket law where yeah. they can just read emails or, yeah. or surveil with no yeah. warrant, they could be surveilling you and they... Yeah. And, and Edward Snowden pointed that out, that right. they're surveilling all of us without yeah. warrant. And, and as we're seeing now, who decides who's a terrorist? Yeah. Right? What, you're you a Christian? You're pro-life? I you're, mean, you're extremist. You're, you're not, an extremist. If you're against the norms, you're an extremist. Exactly. And so it doesn't take much to go from, yeah, fuck them, to, oh, shit, yeah. they're fucking me, too. Right. I mean, what are they saying about libertarians now? Yeah. You know? I right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's... Ugly, and I guess, like, looking back at what we've already talked about, would you say that we are over the line already, or at least, like, crossing the line? I I would say we started crossing the line back in the 50s. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I mean... You know, um, I I, again, I, I think we saw the last true vestiges of the free United States during the 20s. Yeah. You know, and which point the Depression and World War II was used to push us over the line. Right. And since then, it's been a slow creep forward. Yeah. And that seems to be like the turning point globally. Of, I, I think so, because, yeah. Because um, we talked about Nazi Germany. Mm-hmm. We'll get into a little bit about um, Italy cross the line about that point, where which it was before World War II, but that's right. when they started um, cracking down against communism and yeah. then— because their fear of communism, they instituted more of a um, authoritarian regime, yeah. more of a dictatorship regime with Mussolini. Wait, which is funny because you look at you know all the strongmen that were 
put in power in these third world countries being the United States because of the fear of communism. Yeah. And it's kind of yeah. ironic. Well, you look at all the rights that were stripped away in the 50s due to communism right. through um, Joseph McCarthy yep. and, and uh, the blacklist, and yeah. people just lost their jobs because of the fear of communism. Yeah. People were fired because they had yeah. different political leanings. Does that sound right. at all like Gina Carana? Gina Carana, yeah. yeah. Like, I, um, I can't work in Hollywood anymore because I said this one thing. Right. wasn't racist. Yeah. wasn't anti-Semitic, didn't say anything against a specific people group, a yeah. specific religion, yeah. unless it was Nazis. Yeah. That would be the only people she was calling out right. against. <laughs> How long before, you know, they start sitting actors down in, in, in court? And, uh, excuse me, um, sir, have, have you ever been a member of the conservative party? Right, right. Is it going there? I mean, I think we were beyond de- democracy during the 50s, during the blacklist and stuff like that. Oh, because yeah. I mean, people didn't have rights if they had any. As much as we hate communism ourselves, yeah. I mean, we're ne- in no way supporting what happened well, to you, the communists. And you hear all the horror stories about J. Edgar Hoover with the FBI right. and how he had like everybody bugged. Right. I mean, he had his ear in everything. That's that's where we're going with this domestic oh, terrorist bill. Yeah, they're going to have access to really track anybody that they deem a threat. Yep. And again, who decides who's the threat? Yeah. <laughs> who's who gets pissed off at some group and decides, yeah. "Hey, now I think they're a threat." I mean, they're they're trying to call uh Senators Hawley and Cruz, you know, out for, you know, insurrection because they question the election results. Yeah. They want them on the no-fly list. Just you know? because not because they question the results, just because they said, "We owe it to our constituents right. to look yeah. into this." Right. Yeah. Just saying that. Even Cruz came out. We read that um, announcement that they um, had the coalition of like the twelve members or right. whatever. Yeah, that they stepped up and said, "We don't think this happened, but a good majority of the people do right. and want an audit of this." Yeah. So, it in was, good faith, we are going to conduct this audit. It was thirty-eight percent of the American people believed yeah. that there was shenanigans with the election. Yeah. So now they are being blacklisted and demonized yeah. from. The squad, like AOC and members of yeah that side, that party, saying and AOC herself is saying that basically um, Ted Cruz tried to murder her. <laughs> right. So yeah. I mean, you can say whatever you want. Yeah. Today. So some other countries, like we focused heavily on Nazi Germany. Yeah. And again, unintentionally. At, yeah, it just went there. Yeah. Again, the 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 parallels are just uh, mind blowing. Yeah. Just. And like I said, it was just an exaggeration mm-hmm. of what could come of all of this if yeah. we if it's left unchecked. Yeah. Um, some other countries that um, I, I guess we should mention of failed democratic states. Um, it said this article. I'm just going to read off this list. It talks about since the end of the Cold War, most demat- uh, democratic breakdowns have been caused not by generals and soldiers, but by elected governments themselves. It says, like Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, that's a big one that I think we need to spend some time on. Yeah. Uh, uh, Elected leaders have subverted democratic institutions in Georgia, Hungary, Nicaragua, Peru, the Philippines, Poland, Russia, Sri Lanka, Turkey, and Ukraine. So a good list there of failed democratic states. Yeah. Through elected leaders. Right. Through democratically elected leaders subverted 
democracy in yeah what what I list like twelve different yeah countries I mean, just recently what within the last week or so two weeks you had the uh, the Myanmar yeah uh, where uh, the military took over took the prime minister threw her in prison right and they're they're in charge now yeah you know and, and what what caused that what sparked all that do you remember we I, didn't really get a chance we to you know we didn't really didn't dig into a lot I you know I know she was she's pretty popular with the um. You know, with the base, um, not real popular with minorities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look into that one a little bit more. Yeah. Well, um, you had an article that talked about some of these different states, and I, yeah. I was going to read it in the first half, but we ran out of time. So why don't we kick it off with that? Sure. Let's see here. Okay, so this goes in, and it, it talks about uh, the two threats to constitutional democracy. Mm-hmm. The first one we've kind of talked about in, at length, the author, um, authoritarian reversion. Um, basically, these are um, uh, when the military takes over. It's kind of a rapid change of mm-hmm. power. You know, um, They uh, use example of uh, Thailand um, with the coup d'etat, which Thailand, I believe it was in 96, um, the, gov- or the military took over the country. Okay. And um, the... the the monarchy that was in power, they're still the figureheads, but the military runs the country currently. Okay. Interesting. Yes. So what do, what do the figureheads actually do? Are they just like the poster children? Basically, yeah, they're the huh. poster children. Just to make it seem like yeah. they're still yeah. and in power? The, the stat is pretty staggering. It says, as of 2005, 75 democracies have experienced such events um, called author- authoritarian reversions. Um. Then it talk, goes on. Um, it also talks about uh, the use of emergency powers uh, during the the Weimar Republic in Germany, um, and that's a, a big one that is really, is. really abused is the use of emergency powers, right. like the martial laws or state mm. of emergencies or or things right. like that, where you suspend a yeah. lot of those rights well, in the name of emergency. And we're seeing that in um, in Poland and in uh, Hungary right now really? over COVID, mm. that they're putting these very strict measures in. They're, you know, emergency powers to the government to get rid of this pandemic. And, you know, time will tell whether they're, they loosen up some of those powers well, or I not. Well, I read... I forgot, didn't have an article, but I read, I think it was Britain suspended elections for a year because of COVID. Really? Britain did? I didn't, I hadn't heard that. I hadn't either. That's but scary. How how much could that be abused? And I know yeah. Trump had talked about suspending elections right. because of COVID. <laughs> that scared the hell out yeah. of everybody. Just like, no, no. Yeah. And well, some people, some Republicans that we knew. They wanted that. They, they're like, well, yeah, yeah there's not going to be a fair election right. with all this mail-in yeah. voting stuff. They should just uh, yeah. suspend the elections. Like, do you realize I what know. you are asking? Yeah. These are the same people that are like, oh well, he just needs to declare martial law. Yeah, it's same like, exact people. Just, why would just you want give up that? your rights? Yeah, exactly. Um, it says authoritarian reversions, as we define them, must be quick and complete, but they need to be permanent. For instance, India's retreat from democratic government in the wake of India Indira Gandhi's use of emergency powers was temporary because of her decision to hold new elections. Chile's junta operating in an environment in which legalism was powerful, held and lost a referendum that would have extended its rule for eight years, allowing a gradual return to democracy. Oh, yeah. Eight years, gradual return to democracy. No problem there. (laughs) I know. 
It doesn't seem real long in the uh, in the history of things. Um, the other uh, threat to constitutional democracy is the constitutional retrogression. A constitutional liberal democracy can also degrade without collapsing. This is the one we talk about in the United States. Yeah. In both Hungary and Poland, for example, elected governments have recently hastened to enact a suite of legal and institutional changes that simultaneously squeeze out electoral competition, undermine liberal rights of dem- democratic participation, and emasculate legal stability and predictability. Um, again, we talked about the manipulation of our own elections. Right. It says in Venezuela, between 1999 and 2013, the regime established by Hugo Chavez has aggregated executive power, limited political opposition, attacked academia, and stifled independent media in ways uh, aligned with it. Um, I think we saw, do you remember the, um, it was a CNN uh, executive was arrested down in Venezuela just this last year. Yeah. And thrown in prison. Um, it says, uh, but the Venezuela's been shit for oh, how yeah. long now? Well, since 99. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, from my understanding, I mean, they're, they're starving down there. I mean, you can't get toilet paper. I mean, it's, it's shit's dreaming down the street, Yeah, basically. Uh, modifications of term limits are frequent, but as we show in part um, in this other end, uh, many of these um, are concealed under the mask of law. Political scientists have a number uh, um, of labels for this derogation, such as democratic backsliding. A lot of these uh, end up becoming a hybrid regime with a little bit of democracy and a little bit of authoritarianism. But is is it really a hybrid? Like, is it possible to no. have a little authoritarianism no. and a little democracy? Right. That's like saying something is candy-coated shit. Well, and that's it exactly. Um you know, a good example of that is China. You know, mm-hmm. they have this this open, you know, economic system, mm-hmm. right, where they're able to do trade and stuff, but everything is ran by the government. Right. You know, we've seen that in our own business. All these camera businesses, they're all under government control. You right. Know? And so it, it, it really gives a nice bow on it to be, oh, wow, look, they're open to trade with other company countries. You know, there's they're almost borderline capitalism. Well, right, but it's all owned Border, by almost, the government. Almost borderline. <laughs> right. It's like, would you would you eat a brownie that you knew had just a minor little bit of shit in it? Exactly. Would you? Right. I mean, it's it's mostly brownie. Right. right. You might not even. No. You might not even taste like yeah. taste the shit or even like eat it if you didn't eat the whole thing. The odds of you eat and all that pan of brownies if there's like an inch of shit, the odds yeah. you're not going to eat it. But are you gonna? Are you gonna try? Yeah. Are you gonna take that chance? Exactly. No, because it's. It's corrupted by that little bit of shit. I know exactly. that's a gross analogy, no, but, but it's true. Though. It's true. It's like yeah. you can't have, you can't say it's a hybrid government system with a little bit of authoritarianism yeah. and a little bit of a lot of bit of democracy because that authoritarianism yeah. overtakes the democracy yeah. at some point. Well, you remember the Arab Springs, right? Mm-hmm. Back in uh, what was it? Uh, twenty was it twenty twelve? Twelve? Yeah, when Obama was in. And it was ushering in this new age democracy into the Middle East, right? Mm-hmm. Egypt. Well, you had all the people, pray, you know, fighting for democracy in the Middle East or in Egypt. And so what happens is they got rid of the old guy, right? Mubarak. No, not Mubarak. He's Syria. Um, I, I can't think of the name, but I. I but um, 
And so, but the so the military is like, you know what? We're with you. We want democracy too. We're going to hold on to the government and make sure that we get a good transition into democracy. Oh, of course. Right? How long ago was that? Yeah. You know? I Going mean, on 10 years now? Right, nine exactly. Years now? Yeah. So, you know, it, it's very easy to, to, you know, to give up what you think is a good thing, and it ends up being shit. Well, we talk about, again, the power vacuum, yeah. that when you do overthrow that even an authoritarian government, like, mm-hmm. again... Go back to the example of Nazi Germany. Yeah. Overthrew Hitler. What happened? Half of it became de- democratically ruled. Yeah. The other half was Soviet controlled. Right. With a wall down the center of one of the major cities with the right. capital. Yeah. The Berlin Wall. And like half of the country is starving and the other half's like supposed prosperity. Yeah. It's families like, divided by a wall. The wall. They mm-hmm. can't, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, what was um, uh, what was the other big one? Um um, Korea would be a good example. Yeah, yeah. Korea actually is called the People's Democratic um, Republic of Korea. Yeah, and, <laughs> and look how much of the information there. Like they have their own internet. Yeah, they have their own date system. Apparently, in Korea, they are in the year one hundred and seven, based on based on Il, what's the name? Uh, yeah, the the original. Um, Um, yeah (laughs) that came to power you know 107 years ago i mean the whole dating system is based off this guy's you know when he. so they think the world is only 100 years old it formed when (laughs) korea was yes yeah this this leader fell from basically he fell from the stars and i mean this kids are taught this in school wow that's how fucked up it is that is pretty fucked up yeah well um Go back, though, looking at just their internet and their information source. We talk about information getting um, directed, like what can is it allowed and what isn't allowed here. Look right. at North Korea. Like I said, they have their own internet where only certain information is allowed in. So right. people don't even know how shitty they're li- living because they're not allowed to see what it's like on the other side. Right, yeah. They're not allowed to see... Um, anything that speaks ill against yeah. Kim Jong-un or against the regime or anything like that, but this is a supposed, like, people ran right. yeah. government. Yeah. Not at all, though. It's the exact opposite. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit of dictator, a lot of bit of people. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Like you said, would you eat the brownie? <laughs> so is there more in there about Venezuela? That's because, all I have on Venezuela. Because um, that was... Uh, but was that a flourishing democracy before, or it was? But you know, the you know um, Chavez was very pop popular with Hollywood left. Yeah. Okay. So here is um, if you want, we can talk about Venezuela here. Yeah. Um, so um, decades of uh, Iraqi leadership um, under different military juntas, um, they started a kind of a. a global oil um, um, empire okay. that was under uh, civilian democratic rule. Um, elections were limited to competition between the two main political parties. Uh, this went through the 60s. Um, it says, um, influenced by the 19th century Venezuelan revolutionary Simon Bolivar, 
military officer Hugo Chavez established a leftist revolutionary Bolivian movement uh, within the army. The movement borrows from uh, 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 Bolivia's belief in unified Latin America and also draws inspiration from the leftist Peruvian military junta of the 70s. A teacher at the military academy in Venezuela, Chavez gained a reputation for rousing lectures, pointed criticism of the Venezuelan government, and traveled the country to recruit new members to his movement. Um, President Carlos Perez implemented free market reforms, uh, the so-called Washington Consensus, in an attempt to solve Venezuela's economic crisis. Later that month, Venezuelans rioted against a massive increase in gas prices. Under presidential order, the country's security forces brutally put down the uprising. It became known as the Caracas Smash. Wow. That sounds like a WWE. I know, it really does. The government reported 275 deaths. Uh, Venezuelan media sources claim at least 3,000 people died. The riots um, and subsequent military crackdown have a polarizing effect on the general population as well as the military. As a result of the incident, the image of Venezuela as a harmonious, functional, democratic state is shattered, and Chavez began um, recreating, uh, attracting international um, support. Um, Chavez attempted a um, an overthrow of Perez. Um, unfortunately, there is a, a comedy of errors. Uh, he appeared on national TV to inform rebel detachments to cease fighting, um, and then he was imprisoned. Um, he tried a, a second coup in 1992. A group of Air Force planes allied with Chavez launched a second coup attempt. Uh, armed forces loyal to the president foiled the plot. Chavez was put back in jail, and um, he told his followers to follow off, uh, to, to back off. Um, and then he was released from prison in 94, and he went on the campaign trail. He promised to end corruption, vanquish poverty, and scrap Venezuela's old political system based on a pact that distributed power between the two main parties to open up political power to independent political parties. Uh, since 1990, Venezuela had endured five recessions. The population is deeply dissatisfied with the widening gap between the rich and the poor. Venezuela media is largely sympathetic to Chavez's campaign. He wins the election by 56%. After taking office in February, Chavez launches Plan Bolivia 2000. That sounds cool. Yeah. An anti-poverty program that includes road building, housing construction, and mass vaccination. In December, voters approve a new constitution that increases the presidential term to six years, expands presidential powers, converts the two-house National Assembly into one-house legislature, and outlaws government financing of political parties' electoral campaigns. Um, It is the first time in Venezuelan history that the constitution is approved by popular referendum, and in 2000, Chavez gains re-election with 60% of the vote. Um, in 2003, Chavez launches a series of wide-ranging social programs uh, he calls the Bolivian Missions to bolster public support run by various government bodies and ministries. The missions provide adult literacy programs, offer free community health care to impoverished communities, construct low-income housing for the poor, and subsidize food and other goods. Um, other um, international organizations such as the World Health Organization, the United Nations, um, support him. Um, let's see here. There is a growing dissatisfaction with Chavez's rule among some of the population to enable opposition leaders to collect 2.7 million signatures to have him recalled. 
Um, but this fails. When did they go from supposedly the socialist regime to what is now proclaimed to be a presidential constitutional republic? Exactly. When did they cross that line? I mean, you can see he's been he's been. I mean, this is ten years. Ten years a slow slide. Yeah, but no, mm. they were. Uh, they're now supposedly a oh, constitutional right, republic right. led by President Nicolas Maduro, who isn't oh. really all that much better. No, no, because. Not at all. A couple years ago, Maduro like basically held a rig- rigged election that undid the country's parliament, their democratically right. elected parliament. The one branch, because the way it seemed to be set up was like the opposition controlled parliament. Like he was the president, right. and then the opposition controlled parliament. Which I I see that as being beneficial for the government. Right. I think Britain kind of has a similar setup where yeah. like the opposing party is control of one sector like the the right. major party controls one branch and the minor party controls the other branch right and i can see how that would be beneficial for like checks and balances for right. accountability purposes but in this case elected nicolas maduro undid just undid the um parliament and yeah. got rid of all his opposition altogether yeah. so even though supposedly now they're not a socialist regime under Chavez, whenever, I don't know when he stepped down or was forced out. He died. Okay, so then after he died, I'm sure, was Maduro put in by U.S.? Um, yeah. Was he U.S. backed? That wouldn't surprise me. I'm not sure of the history of Venezuela. But um, it says uh, his supporters now have total control of the government, and they're showing no signs of slowing down. And people hate that. Yeah. And he's doing everything to prevent... Um, the popular, like his lack of popularity from uh, limiting his powers, yeah, placed him among a special league of democratic authoritarians like Turkish President Recep Tayyip, yeah, Erdogan. Um, it says he used a referendum to expand powers of his presidency, so he used his powers to expand his powers, which you see that across the board, and that's what we talk about how um, they use legal means to undo democracy. Um, we were talking before the show about uh, Vladimir Putin, how he could only serve two terms as president. Right, yeah. But then he'd just go and be prime minister. I don't know what the difference is in Russia. Yeah. But then he could go serve a term as prime minister, come back and do two two yeah. more terms as president, Yeah. and then just go back and forth. Yeah. Well, he just proposed legislation to cancel the limit of how long he can be president. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's passed yet, but... I'm sure it um, he's first of all, he slipped through like some loopholes of their democracy yeah. to stay in power since um, I think it was uh, December 31st, 1999, because right. he <clears throat> he was just their old president just randomly stepped down right before yeah. Uh, Boris Yeltsin. Yeah, he yeah. stepped down surprisingly right before uh, Y2K happened. Yeah, right. And that day. Vladimir Putin yeah. took office, and that's that's when that's one of the big scares of Y2K was they're afraid of what was going to happen with Russia oh, yeah. with Vladimir Putin taking over. Yeah. But he's circumvented all these loopholes of remaining in power since then. But yeah. now he's like pushing to maintain even more control by doing away with uh, term limits of presidency. Right. Yeah. And you know how um, he handles opposition already. Oh yeah. Right. 
poisons them. Po- yeah, just <laughs> makes them disappear. Yeah. So if he has the possibility of rerunning every single oh, time yeah. unopposed, right. I mean, he's just basically a dictator, Absolutely. a yeah. self-appointed dictator through democracy. Well, and it's like we were talking with the, you know, like the Nazi Reichstag, you know, it's like, you know, you don't have any other choices, right? I mean, ch- chances are you're either going to you're going to vote for Putin or you're going to vote for somebody who works for Putin. Yeah. You know, right? So, it's it's a rigged game. Yeah. Yeah, and it's democratically put into place. Yeah. Cuz this article that I was just reading a little bit off of <clears throat> about Maduro and the Turkish president it says both leaders use crisis as pretext for strengthening executive power mm-hmm. while leaving the shells of their countries democratic institutions intact so they're using these crises to gain more and more power like we said and then with with the premise well after a certain amount of time after this crisis goes away we'll relinquish that power and they never relinquish that power yeah i mean there's still after effects of the the patriot act that are still in place right now absolutely and we have was it nancy pelosi that was proposing basically reassigning the patriot act to domestic terrorism just this week yeah just this week she was proposing basically um redistinguishing the patriot act towards Mm -hmm. domestic terrorism so i want to start a uh a 120 or 1621 uh commission so they can uh investigate the uh capital attacks yeah yep so what powers are they going to put into place on themselves right in the Name of this crisis of domestic terrorism and the name of the crisis of the mm-hmm. pandemic and yeah. when when did they relinquish that and give it back to us? Right, because the the whole and that that's the problem now that um, the Senate has control of or the Democrats have control of the Senate yep. and the House now yep. and the presidency. You still yep. got a Republican led Supreme Court. Yeah. But it's very, yeah. Considering, I mean, you know, one of the things they talked about is wanting to pack Pack the courts. courts. Yeah, and that's another clear sign of the push towards a dictatorship is when things aren't swaying in your favor. We talked about the elites. When democracy's not working for them, they make it work for them. And one of of the ways would be packing the courts. And then, again, eliminate the Electoral College. They've talked already talked about how they want to make D.C. a state. They want to make Puerto Rico a state. Right. So, I mean, you're just bringing more people into the electorate. Yeah. So just to pack your just to vote for constituency. Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. they want to bring in what 25 uh, million illegal Im- immigrants, give them citizenship. Right. Again, they're going to be beholden to the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. You know. So, I mean, they're trying to set set things up. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. And and back to the war game scenario again. We keep coming back to that. Um, we didn't. We haven't dug into it nearly enough. We no, mentioned it briefly, but um, one of the things they had talked about was if Trump did take control, they would split up the states. Like I said, yeah. split up like California and some of the other big states, so yeah. they would have more representation. Mm-hmm. And it's just manipulating a system yeah. in your favor. Yeah. And once you have the ability to manipulate a system in your favor. Or you have shadow campaigns manipulating elections right. through strong-arming social media platforms yeah. or convincing them through other means, bribing or doing whatever, offering them 
um, handshake deals, whatever whatever they had to do. Right. I don't think they just voiced their concerns to the Zuckerbergs of the world no. and the Jack Dorsey of the world no. and said, hey, this is our concern. Can you please eliminate right. all this quote-unquote disinformation? No, you know some shady shit went down oh, yeah. there. Right, but it, it's all to you know, save democracy. Yeah. You know, once you have those few people that it's not working for them that can make those decisions that are in positions of power where they can make those decisions for the people, quote unquote, for the people. Yeah. Democracy has gone. Right. Because it's no longer the will of the majority of the people. Yeah. It's, we know what's best for you. We'll do it for you. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, I mean, it, it, it all is pointing in that direction, yeah. and it's only getting worse. Yeah, and, you know, and it's all these these Democrats, you know, who think Trump was so evil, and that he was trying to take over. You know, d- what do they think is going to happen if one party has power over everything mm-hmm. for an extended period of time? Yeah, I mean, do they just think, oh, well, it's good because they're against global warming, right. so it's it, it's okay, it's okay, right, right? Or I mean, don't. They don't see the danger in that happening without having that balance, without having the checks and balance in the system. I mean, to me, it just blows my mind. It's a brainwash mentality. It it's is. That whole um, polarized mentality that we talked about that leads directly leads to crossing the line from democracy right. into dictatorship. Because when you vilify the other side right. and you make them out to be this brutal enemy against democracy, then it's easy to say— do you see how good it would be for us to pack the courts, for us to have full control of the Senate, the House, the executive branch? Right. Do you see how this would be good? Yeah. Because then we get rid of the evil, yeah. whichever side right. you're— Democrats. You don't have to worry about the draconian you know, Christians and, and you know those that want to control your body and those that don't believe in science. Right. You know, I mean, you know, again, you, you vilify. Yeah. You know, the white supremacist, we get rid of all them, you know. If they don't want to listen, re-education camps. I mean, checks and balances d- doesn't work if it's controlled by the same people, <laughs> all the same side. Yeah, right. there yeah. is no accountability. No. There's no nothing that's stopping them from making imposing whatever laws they think is best for the country. Right, and it's not like they have our best interest at hand. And uh, I read an article that was talking about. Um, the 12 most unhappy countries with democ- with their form of democracy. Okay. And the U.S. was number 12. Interesting. Like, of all the democratic countries, we are the 12th least happy with how democracy yeah. is ran. This was in a, a Pew Research article. And some of the, the, the factors that go into them being unhappy with their current form of democracy is um, not thinking— you're not either not trusting your elected officials or politicians in general or not thinking they have your best interest in hand. Right. And I think that sums us up really well. Yeah. Right. All of us, really. Yeah. I mean, the people if, if you think politicians have your best interest at hand no. in this country, like you're living yeah, in a bubble somewhere. Yeah. They they've they've won because they've convinced you of this. Yeah. And, and you know, all of that comes to the, um, you know, when you look at getting rid of the oil jobs, yeah. you know, and saying, oh, well, they can just find jobs in the solar panels. You know, I mean, they're not 
it, you know, that's what's best for them. Yeah. You know, it's not thinking about anything else. It, it, there's no practical knowledge behind any of that. It's just, right. oh, well, it looks good on paper. Yeah. Um, back to an article that I had briefly, the one that I just read all those countries off of. Okay. The, there was one paragraph in there that I wanted to mention out of the whole thing. And that is this. It says, this is how elected autocrats subvert democracy. We talked about how they legally right. like, overthrow democracy, basically. It says, packing and weaponizing the courts and other neutral agencies. We just mentioned packing. Like, right. the desire that AOC said, we need to put in, like, 100 right. Supreme Court justice, yeah. something unrealistic. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it is. Buying off the media in the private sector— we talked about the the time article, right? Yep. Or bullying them to, into silence. Yep. Uh, rewriting the rules of politics to tilt the playing field against the opponents. Did you see that? Out? Time article. Yep, exactly. All this stuff is right out of the time article. Yeah. Weaponizing the courts, buying off the media, um, or bullying them. Yeah. Rewriting the rules. They yep. specifically said, "Hey, we were rewriting yeah. voting laws. Yeah. We were um, directing the information. Yeah. And um, yeah." Well, and you see the weaponization of the uh, IRS when Obama was president. Yeah. You know, he sent the IRS after conservative groups, after the Tea Party. Right. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, just uh, vilifying a certain group mm -hmm. and sending agencies after it, like imposing different tax laws on yep. on your opponents, making it harder for them to oppose you, basically. Yeah says the tragic paradox of the electoral route to authoritarianism is that democracy's assassins use the very institutions of democracy gradually, subtly, and even legally to kill it. Yep. Depressing as shit. And scary as shit, too. It is, because we see it. Yeah. I mean, are we to the point where we're looking back now? It's like, we can't go back there. Are we past right. that? I don't and think And when we, we talk about we're not black-pilled, right. we don't think there's no hope, but are we past that? Are we getting close to being I, past that? I... I don't I think there's some easy fixes. Unfortunately, they would be viewed as so extreme it would never happen. Such as well, I mean I'm talking about like auditing the Fed, doing mm -hmm. away with the Fed, right? Um, you know, cutting the government, I mean massive government slashes. Yeah. I mean stripping it down to bare bones. Right? And Well, I think the whole concept of democracy was based around like limited government well it, it is especially and, limited federal government right and but what we've done instead is create this entire political class of people mm -hmm. that you know have their fingers in in corporations and vice versa and so it's just created this whole another class i mean again i i think it can be reversed but anybody who would suggest such a thing would be villainized as insane yeah you know to suggest Wow, you're going to put millions of, of federal workers out of business? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's like, well, yeah. Well, when another example of um, failed, I guess, democracies was Athens. I didn't really look much into them. But apparently James Madison, who, I yeah. mean, he was, I, I don't know if you know of James Madison. Oh, yeah. He's, I mean, he, he was, was the he, fourth president. He was, he was, he was somebody. I don't, he's. Not not really a big deal. He only drafted the Constitution. Sure, sure. But apparently he actually looked into the example of Athens yeah. when when he was, like, drafting the Constitution and, like, right. thinking about democracy. Which, 
was the I mean I believe a- Athens was where democracy was created. Yeah. So um, it says reading about ancient Athens, he saw trouble in their democracy and cited reasons for its failure. The assembly in Athens, where a minimum of six thousand citizens were required, led to passionate views that would overcome the local enlightened thinkers. So he was just basically weighing out the pros and cons based on previous examples of democracy and citing Athens and looking at their failures, um, whether or not this would be a good idea for us. It says, Madison believed that the citizens of Athens had been swung by indecent politicians who took advantage of their emotions. I don't see how that's even possible. That doesn't apply to us. No, no. No, I don't have anybody get tied up in their emotions with politics. no. Donald Trump reactionary. We talked. Right. How many times have we oh, said yeah. in the last few weeks that Donald Trump was his downfall was he was reactionary. Absolutely. That's where that Times article that Mike Pedoza or whatever his name yeah. was he played into that. He yeah. played into Trump's ability to swing his supporters' emotions. Yeah. yeah, and he won his hand. Yeah, he did. People had become more aggressive towards opponents to Athens, largely due to being convinced by the fanatic Cleon, not Klingon, Cleon. Some devious people were arguing for policies and changes that would not necessarily benefit or not necessarily beneficial for the masses, but by playing on the citizens' emotions, they were able to gain power. Madison believed he was starting to see this in America, where there were cries for abolition of all debts, which led to widespread unpleasant debates. What's one of the biggest debates going around right Right. now? Get rid of the student debt. Student debt. Yeah. Any debt, really? Yeah, r- right. Yeah, we like, talked about the Great Reset. Is probably is going to be an elimination of debt. Yeah, starting out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, starting, they're starting small, small, mm-hmm. I guess you could say, with student yeah. debt. Yeah. And, um, yeah, the the same shit that he was debating that could cause like fractures in democracy yeah. back in the 1700s. Yeah. We're still having those same problems now. Right. We're still taking advantage of people's emotions, and he. Ultimately came to the conclusion, like, in the country back then, we are so widespread out, mm-hmm. like in different states and yeah. with uh, rural areas and stuff, that there would not be that mob mentality because we're different people from different places all collectively as one country. Well, right. it's not really the case now, though. No. Because we clearly see mob mentality in the urban areas or, like, in... in Certain sections of the country, like California or right. New York, we got this mob mentality going on. So, yeah. well, I mean, it's hard to be, you know, different people from different areas of the country when we're all connected through social media. Yeah, right. So, right, it's easy, so much easier to form a mob mentality absolutely. now. You know, it, we don't even have people, to be in the same locale. Exactly, they get their news from the same places. I mean, they're informed by the same places. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the solution he came up with, which. I don't know why we overdid this because, or undid this because this sounds smart. The Senate and the House, the House represented the people. It was elected by the people. Mm -hmm. The Senate was chosen by the state. So, like, the governor or somebody or state representative would select senators. Mm -hmm. And so the Senate would represent the state, the House would represent the people, and collectively they would come together and work out a solution. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. I don't know why they undid this. Yeah. Because now we're both all selected supposedly by the people, and they just fight back and forth with each other and get absolutely nothing done. Yeah. He says Madison believed 
he must prevent people from having a direct role in government. That sounds devious, but it prevents that mob mentality. Right. We have like the our representatives. That's where the constitutional republic came from. Right. Was Ma- Madison's doing there? Says a number of measures were put in the constitution to prevent mob-like formations. Uh, this is precisely why the Senate was formed. Initially, people can directly elect members of the House, but then senators could only be picked by state legislatures rather than by the people. So when the Senate would have to be in agreement with the House of Representatives when attempting to pass legislation. Hmm. So they would have to have the state's interest at hand, and they would have to have the people's interest at hand. Um says the idea was that senators would be able to offer more reason and calmness than the impassioned elected members of the House of Representatives. The 17th Amendment, of course, made changes, but we can see why the Founding Fathers wanted that separation of powers. Again, yeah, a balance sense. system. Yeah. Separation of powers, uh, checks and balances type mm-hmm. system yeah. that we just undid with, with the Constitution, yeah. and that's where we are today. I don't know what the reasoning was really to undo that in the 17th Amendment, but um, I can see the benefits of that, just like I can see the benefits of the losing party having, like, say, the winning party controls the Senate and the losing party controls Mm -hmm. the House. Right. Not saying that is the exact solution. I'm sure anybody here can tell me why that would be a bad idea, but you can see how there would be accountability there. Yeah, Yeah. but and I think... Most people can see the benefit of having the opposing parties splitting to to mm-hmm. create that checks and balance. Yeah, you know anybody who wants one party in charge of everything, you're just asking for <laughs> for your dictatorship. Exactly. I mean, you can scream all you want and give me all the reasons why Trump was a dictator. Yeah, you can give me all the reasons why Trump wanted to end democracy, but this is we we've pointed out how this has been ongoing. Yeah, for decades yeah the, right. this push away in order to save democracy because the elites have our best interest yeah in reality they have their own best interest yeah somebody says hey um in the name of safety i'm going to take this away from you yeah. or you're going to give me this power or i'm just going to suspend this this election i mean this hasn't happened here but right. across the globe yeah. it's happened time yeah. and time again we're going to suspend elections because of COVID, or because of this war, or we're going to allow unnecessary search and seizure just to right. protect you from terrorists. It's where the direction we're heading. Yeah. And we need to take a step back and look. Absolutely. As American citizens, not as a Democrat, not as a Republican or a Libertarian or whatever, as American citizens, we need to step back and see what's going on before yeah. we cross that line yeah. and realize we can't get back. Uh, unfortunately, everybody's so focused on their own goals yeah. in the future, you know, like, a, a, you know, getting rid of climate change, you know. Or just getting rid of Trump. Right, just getting rid when of Trump. When the goal right. is to get right. like, rid like, of a person. Well, you can say that there was, there was a bad thing going on in the Republican Party when they all— rallied around one person right like this one person made the country like he was our savior and right. he was our our going to save america just one person right and yeah. we've said that time and time oh, yeah. again it's like the downfall was the fact that yeah. they put so much weight on trump yeah on the flip side the last four years has been 
It doesn't matter what we do. Just get rid of Trump. Right, right, yeah. And when you say that to people that are already power hungry, it's like, I don't care what you do. Yeah. Just get rid of Trump. I don't care what policies come into effect yeah. after. Right. Just get rid of Trump. Right. It's that whole common enemy thing. Yeah. But it's just like, yeah. Or what happens after? Or, you know, contrastly, you know, you have the Biden administration like, look, once we get Trump out of the office, we can get you what you want. Yeah. You know, so so, you know, team up, you know, do your your protest, you know, slam Trump. And then once he's gone, we can cut a deal. Work this out. Yeah, exactly. It's just like his whole covid response is like, well, just get me in and I'll fix it. Yeah. You can say Trump was a threat to democracy. This push to get him out of office at whatever cause. Right. Is a threat to, to democracy. democracy. Yeah. So we're about out of time. I mean, we can keep pounding into oh, this we, for hours. There's things. There's so many examples yeah. across. There's a whole other article I found. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> what, what was, uh, there's like a quote, a famous quote that says basically uh, democracy will vote itself out after a certain period. Yeah. Like the people will eventually vote democracy out. Like yeah. democracy will undo itself if. Um, if not done right, and I I see that it's just like, and the sl- slow transition is what you should worry about, because we can see a um a military coup coming, and we can fight back against it. It's the apathy right. of the American people. It's the laziness or the oh that's not that big of deal of the American people that see that sees little by little this. This thing gets taken away. It's like, meh, I didn't really, I mean, I didn't really need that anyway. Yeah. And then this thing gets taken away, and it's like, meh, well, that kind of sucks, but that's okay. Yeah, here's, um, it was um, John Adams. He says, um, remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There never has been a democracy yet that did not commit suicide. It's not just like a bloody suicide at this point. It's just like slowly binge yeah. eating. <laughs> like binge eating donuts and letting <laughs> yourself die. Yeah. That's what American democracy suicide looks it like. Is. It's just yeah. just stuffing your face with cakes and and Oreos yeah. and whatever and just the yeah. apathy of it like I said right. the laziness That's like it. pretty soon you won't have that cushy coziness yeah. if you just keep not doing anything. And that's why we started the show. Right. Was because we see it coming. Yeah. We see the rights being stripped or not even stripped just here, take it. Well, take how, it. How many? You know, I mean, we've talked about this. I mean, this the younger generations come up, you know, through school and everything, and they believe the collective is the best way. Yeah, they believe that socialism is the best way. Well, that I forgot to mention that you talked about um, Venezuela attacking the education system. It yeah. wasn't really an attacked education system here. It was a created education system towards a certain right Mind direction. Set. Yeah. Because it was the activists of the 60s that are now working in the colleges. We've talked about this on previous episodes. Go go listen to all our episodes because most of the stuff that yeah. we reference have been mentioned in previous right. episodes. Yeah, Activists from the 60s that want a full-fledged socialist or anarchist yeah. state that are now teaching today's kids coming yeah. out of the colleges. Teaching them about the racism of America and how America is evil mm. and needs to be overturned. And not to mention we have federal um, pushes for a certain mm-hmm. curriculum to go into right. the education the, the system. The 1619 program, for, you know, written by the time New York mm-hmm. Times, 
is the curriculum that Biden and his folks are trying to push, right? Which you know talks about how America's prosperity is built upon slavery, yeah, and that is evil, and it needs to be flipped upside down and torn apart. Yeah, the whole country needs flipped upside down, and torn apart. Apparently, according to some people, right? That's what they want. We're gonna get out of here. Definitely look into some of the stuff that we shared, some of these articles that I'm going to post in the show notes. Check us out all over social media. Um, share us around. If if you like democracy and you think, like some of the stuff, these comparisons, if you think, wow, that's, that's crazy, I never would have even made that connection. Right. Somebody else probably hasn't made this connection either. So share it with your friends and or talk to them about it or um, open up that discussion without hopefully... It's not somebody that's going to cancel you for being an anti-Semite for mentioning Nazi Germany <laughs> in a conversation, but talk to people. Like yeah. we need, we need more red-pilled people out there. Yeah. I think again, knowledge is opportunity. Yeah, yeah. So keep that conversation going. We're going to get out of here. Like I said three times now, it is almost midnight. I'm going to fall asleep. So <laughs> y'all have a fantastic week. We will be back here for the weekend wrap up on Sunday and. We'll just keep this shit going. Absolutely. Have a fantastic week and never stop talking. Peace. The Break the Bell podcast is brought to you by you. So pat yourself on the back because without you, we would be talking to ourselves. A special thanks to our Patreon members, Remzo and Justin. A shout out to our sponsors, Goulash Media. On the run with Remzo W. Martinez Podcast and Van Zot Media. If you'd like to help support us, visit patreon.com slash breakthebell or buy our garbage at breakthebell.bigcartel.com. Get back here next time and let us continue to invade your ear holes and as always, never stop talking. <laughs>